0: Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Sybil. I'm Sophia. And I'm Serena. And you're listening to Every Romcom, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously.
1: This week on Every Romcom, we're beginning our high school movie series with a movie about an epic graduation party.
2: We'll discuss an ensemble cast full of many of the teen movie stars of the late 90s and take a closer look at Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ethan Embry, and more. We'll reminisce about the fashion, music,
3: and culture of 1998.
0: And we'll talk a little bit about who we were at 18 years old as we discuss the cult classic teen film Can't Hardly Wait. Hello, everybody.
4: Hi. Hi.
0: And when I say everybody, it's like all the original hosts of every rom-com. I'm so happy to, this is the first time we've all been together on one show, and I'm like really happy about it. So thank you for making the time. Oh, the Fab Four
2: finally together. I love no. it. Historic.
0: I mean, it is it is awesome for me. And I like, this gives me a chance also to just tell all of you um, how much it's meant to me that you've been here for me to you know, do this project because it would not work without any of you. So oh. um, it wouldn't work without any one of you. So I just want you to know that and that I appreciate you so much. So thank you. Of
2: course. Thank Thanks. you for this opportunity. High five, everybody. I'm sorry to say that we've we've got Sybil on a,
0: a day where she's still recovering from being ill, but we're, I'm really glad that you're still here um, podcasting with us, Sybil. I would not miss it, not even a little bit. And um, yeah, and this is the inaugural, this is going to be the inaugural movie in our teen movie, high school movie series. So I'm really excited that we're kicking it off together too. Um, yeah. This episode actually might come out before the last episode in our musical series, which will be Mama Mia. Just because we're trying to get this episode out ahead of the 25th anniversary of Can't Hardly Wait. Does that make anybody else feel like super old? <laughs>
2: like- totally, yes. For sure.
0: Yeah. I was working in the movie theater when that movie came out. Come on. <laughs> yep. So because we're kicking off a new series, I've prepared a short trivia quiz for you guys today on high school <laughs> movies. Before I give the quiz, I just do want to give like a really short amount of background that I learned. Cause I was really interested in this. Did you guys know, were you aware that like the concept of teenagers is kind of new in human history? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I okay. So that.
2: yeah, a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I didn't ever think about it, but it makes sense. You know, looking back being like, Oh, right. Old texts and I don't know, old literature aren't talking about teenagers. Yeah. You know, there was definitely like, I'm thinking about like, what was appropriate age appropriate for like girls and how they wore their hair and their dress. And when they turned such and such age, then they could wear their hair a certain way so there was there was like expectations in childhood slash adulthood, but that was it. It was like childhood and then adulthood
0: yeah. um so yeah. and a lot of it was in terms of like entering the workforce too. And which which will come up as I'm just, I'm going to tell a little bit about this before we do our really fun trivia quiz, I swear. This isn't going to be like okay. a boring lecture. So <laughs> but I, I,
1: love don't it. Is, I don't think this is a boring lecture. I think this is really interesting too, because this- the idea of teen, I think, really came about when um, teenagers started like having more autonomy in their life and they became like hu- humans. Because remember, until you were a certain age, you weren't like even a human. You were just like this little thing that like... <laughs> Right. It was, well, it was, it was just yeah. like you just sat around and had like a nanny, or like your mom put you somewhere and you were hidden.
0: Or you didn't have a nanny and you were put to work in the factories. That's, <laughs> right. That's right. That's what yeah. I would think. I would think at like 16,
3: like you were an adult. Like you were getting married. You were like getting ready. Like there was no like interim, you know, between childhood and adulthood. You just went straight into it. Yeah. That's what I think.
0: So there's a lot of really interesting books about this topic, and I'm also linking in the show notes to an article about the topic. But basically, the the very short version of this is that teenagers like as a separate group uh, wasn't really recognized in the U.S. until the 1900s, and the development of high schools had a lot to do with it. So uh, there was an article in the Saturday Evening Post that says, quote, between 1920 and 1936, the share of teenagers in high school more than doubled from about 30 percent to more than 60%. As young people spent more time in school, they developed their own customs in an environment away from work and family where they could enforce their own social rules. So like a lot of that, the high school attendance increase was because of the depression because there weren't so many jobs. So they didn't want the teenagers competing with the adults. They didn't want that age group competing with adults. So then they end up in these high schools. Okay. So that's kind of interesting.
1: Very that is really interesting. I, and it's interesting that there, during like a time in history where we think about like, oh, the Great Depression, so many things changed. are like, yeah, also like there's this thing called like teenagers became like a thing.
0: Yeah. But the actual word teenagers, I guess, was rarely used until after World War Two. And then like movies and books aimed at teenagers emerged around that same time after World War Two. And then there were also these concerns about rebellious teens, like we'll seeing, Can't Hardly Wait, teens are like doing, you know, partying, drinking, like doing all kinds of things, right? But this is like in 1957, this was already a concern, like the, the same article quotes the New York Times as saying, the abolition of child labor and the lengthening span of formal education have given us a huge leisure class of the young with animal energies never absorbed by tasks of production.
1: Oh my gosh, it's amazing! It's like, yeah, it there's amazing. just too much leisure time for those those youngins. There's
0: just too much. They're causing so much trouble, idle hands, and all that.
2: They're, they're rebels without a cause. Yep. right. it. Yep.
0: yep. <laughs> so we're not going to be yes, covering lady. those early. We're not going to cover those uh, early high school movies. Um, 1978's Grease is going to be the earliest film we're covering in this series. But the trivia round I'm going to give you guys today will have some of the earlier movies in it. So we're about to do the trivia. Um, so the rules for the trivia, as I ask the question, if you think you know the answer, just go ahead and blurt it out. I will repeat the question if it gets interrupted so that our audience can hear it. So are you guys ready for the quiz? Ready. We're, so now we're in a round one. So round one of trivia is themed after the early teen movies. Okay, okay. so question one. Often cited as one of the first teen movies, this 1953 movie starred Marlon Brando as a rebellious biker,
1: rebel without a cause. No.
2: Nope. Uh, uh. Uh. Oh, not wild. He's a biker. Uh, yeah. It's uh, like I can see the picture in my head. <laughs> Easy Street Rider. Desire. Nope. It's not on the waterfront.
0: Sophia, you were getting close, actually. It's easy not, rider. Exactly not the wild no, one. no, not with easy Oh wait, what'd you say Sybil? The wild one.
2: Yes. Point I said, Did I say yeah. wild one? What you, did said, say? you said wild thing, my friend. You wild said wild, thing. Thing. I you said the wild uh, the one. Wild one. Okay, it was close. Okay, so we have Sybil with one point with a heavy assist
0: by Sophia in this case.
1: I, I'm like I would give that to Sophia because I thought that was Sophia. I mean, honestly.
0: Yeah. Said wild thing. I'm sorry, I'm picky. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I I'm like a harsh it. mistress. Okay. Question two. Everything from Greece to the OC to the Paula Abdul video Rush Rush has paid homage to this 1955 James Dean classic. Rebel without a cause. Yes, bitch. Hundred percent. Okay. Have you seen that Paula Abdul video, by the way? Yes. It's that was Keanu it's my Reeves. F- yeah, it's my favorite. It's
3: my favorite Keanu Reeves movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Your favorite Keanu Reeves movie is his video with Paul Abdul. I love it. I'm going to link to that in the show notes too, because people should see that. It it is pretty amazing. Okay. Question three, this 1959 movie starring Sandra Dee included characters with the names Moondoggy and the Bigger. Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Sophia, you're ruling this early category. All right. All right. And this is the last question in this round. Question four. Cameron Crowe wrote this 1982 movie based on his experiences going undercover at a San Diego high school.
2: Is it with Aiden Quinn? I don't know, but I don't think so. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes, okay. Sophia.
0: Okay, so after the first round, we have Sophia in the lead with three points, Sybil with one point. Serena is not on the board yet, but I have hope for you, so we'll get there. (laughs) Thanks, thanks. All right. Round two is the John Hughes round. All right. We're moving into the eighties. I'm
1: here for it. Let's do this thing.
0: We're going to be covering hopefully two John Hughes movies in our series, some kind of wonderful and 16 candles. So yeah, looking forward to that. Okay. So number one, despite all being commonly referred to as John Hughes films, Hughes wrote, but did not direct some of his classic teen movies, which two of these films did he direct? So They're these off. are the ones that he, so these I'm going to tell you four films and you have to tell me which two he did direct. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is the list, let, let me finish the whole list before you say something. Okay. Pretty in pink, the breakfast club, Ferris Bueller's day off, some kind of wonderful, which of the two he did direct. Pretty in
3: pink. And some, some kind of, Wonder of wonderful. Yeah. No. yeah. no. So
2: what were I'm they I'm not going to tell you
0: how many you got right either. So which-
2: pretty in pink.
0: <laughs> The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind
2: of Wonderful. He did. He directed Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's. Am I yep. Right, you got it. You yes. oh, got it. Okay, thank you. All
0: right. So the next question, a follow-up
2: question: the same
0: person directed the other two films on the list that Hughes didn't oh, direct, Pretty in okay. Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. So the same person directed both of those. I forgot his name, but he's well, married to Leah Thompson. I can't, I can't help you, man. Like some if <laughs> He's married too, though. Okay.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know his o- name. Howard the Duck.
0: <laughs> oh God! Um, oh God! Uh, you are weirdly, weirdly, you uh, have of part of the name right, Serena, without meaning to. Oh. Uh, but uh, it's not the, the duck, duck part.
2: Uh, not. J- it's not. Mm, I mean, I just was looking at it. I mean, it's y'all. Like, I just gave you the first name, just so I'm, just so you know. Howard. I forgot, though. I just simply don't know what the last name is. Anyone? Anyone?
4: No,
1: no one, no, one. no.
2: All right. No. In a weird, in a weird fit of madness, I'm giving Serena a half point
0: for getting the first name. I'm down
2: for that. <laughs> you should, you should.
0: <laughs> and the actual the actual name is Howard Deutsch. So yeah. I've
2: yep. well, okay.
0: gotten that. Okay, so number three, last question in this round. In the Kevin Smith movie Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob are on their way back from trying to visit a fictional town where many of John Hughes's movies take place. What is the name of that town?
2: Oh. I don't remember. Oh God. Hey, it's it's
3: like oh, it's like Shermer or something. Oh, oh, um,
0: oh Shermer. I know, where?
3: It's Shermer, Illinois. Yeah,
0: Illinois. there you yeah. go. There you cool. Go. Am I right? Okay. Yes, you're I'm right. right. Yes, you're oh right. God. <laughs> That's your dogma knowledge coming back, I think, right now. Wow, there. that yeah. came
3: out from nowhere.
0: All right. All right, fantastic. So after round two, Sophia has four points. Sybil has one point. Serena has one point five points. Actually, I'm going to take away the point five. That was too weird of me. Okay, that was arbitrary. I'm still here for a point. I'm
1: still here for half point.
0: What? You're okay I'm with the half here. point? I'm still
1: here for half point.
0: All right, the cheeky Howard the Duck point I gave her. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that. so round, round three, since we are in Pride Month right now, is going to be the Pride mm-hmm. round. And this is going to celebrate movies that have started to be more inclusive of LGBT students in high school movies. So okay. are you all ready for this one? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Question one. Though it mostly doesn't take place at a high school, this 1999 rom-com starring Natasha Leone and Clea Duvall was considered groundbreaking for its portrayal of love blossoming at a gay conversion camp. Oh, oh.
1: oh. Um, so I'm a cheerleader?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, wait, wait. Sybil, what so, what'd
1: you say? Well, I'm a cheerleader. Almost. It's the, is is the cheerleader one. Um, yes,
0: you're missing. You have one word off in the title. I, I kissed a cheerleader. No, mm. no. So Sybil is closer. She only needs to change one word and she's got it. So, so it's not so I'm a cheerleader.
4: I
1: was a cheerleader?
0: No. I don't know. It's, it's definitely a cheerleader movie, though. Yes, yes.
1: She gets a half point.
0: No, no, it's fine. I want to see if she can get it, though. If she, if she can pull I it out. I'm not going
1: to, because it's going to be in my head forever, so, she's, so I'm a cheerleader.
0: Okay, it is, but I'm a cheerleader, and we will give you that half point. We will give you that half point. Okay, fantastic. Okay, second question. This gay supporting character had many of the best lines in the movie, including the much-quoted line, she doesn't even go here. Name the movie and the character.
4: Wow. It's Mean Girls and... uh,
1: There's one point. And what is his name? I'm totally blanking on it right now. Um, Damien.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. You just picked up two points there. Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. All right. So last question. This 2014 Brazilian film follows the self-discovery of a blind boy Falling in love for the first time with another boy in his class. Wow. Moonlight? No clue. Nope. what'd you say? City of
3: angels? Nope. No. City of
0: God. God.
1: Nope.
0: This a is Brazilian a this is a, a rom com. This is not a the, this is not a drama.
1: <laughs> okay, it's a rom com. Yeah, okay, through.
0: Hey, I'm gonna repeat it one time. 2014 Brazilian film follows the self-discovery of a blind boy falling in love for the first time with another boy in his class. Nope. Don't All right. Serena's tapped out. Totally Anyone? tapped out.
2: Nothing. Okay. Sybil,
0: are you tapped out? Yeah. Okay. It is called The Way He Looks.
1: Oh, that is such a good movie.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. I just watched it the other day and I yeah, was like, blown away. I was blown away by it. Okay, I'll be so, honest, I don't
1: even think I paid attention to the fact that it was Brazilian.
0: I think I think it's just very, you don't even notice that you're watching a foreign language film because it's just so relatable. I mean, I, I like watching foreign language films anyway, but some of them I think are more, you know, you uh-huh. just forget sooner. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's true, true. That one's so good. that Everyone should go watch it. It's so good.
0: Okay, Ooh. well, the final results. Sophia, you are still the winner because you picked up a lot in the first round with four Ooh. points. Sybil, you're coming in close with 3.5. Serena, you only have 1.5, but I feel like you've contributed well to the quiz nonetheless. <laughs> so, thank Thanks. you guys for taking Thanks. my ridiculous trivia quiz today. And that we was may, awesome. We may be doing an every rom-com trivia bonus episode, so keep your eyes out for that, everybody. All right. Cool. So before we get started today, a
3: few notes. First, as usual, there will be a spoiler-free section at the beginning of the
1: episode, and we will warn you when the spoilers are about to start. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is every romcom podcast and blog. Our Instagram is at every romcom and our Twitter handle is at every romcom pod.
2: And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com and if you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you enjoy the
0: show, please consider donating to our Buy Me a Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com/everyromcom. All donations will be used towards producing and hosting the podcast, and they will be a big help if you can. And now, let's listen to the trailer for Can't Hardly Wait.
5: At first it was also unbelievable. Mike Dexter wanted to date me. I know why I started dating him, I just don't know why I did it for so long. Well, he is the most dope guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. His party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? It's fate. Fate has opened me a window. Yo, I gots to have sex tonight. It took me all day, <laughs> but I narrowed it down to a list of 10
3: very lucky finals. You know what I'm saying?
5: Do you think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Oh. Get not back away! Hunting outside! Chase my... Ah! Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, saw right now. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh, God, you're a hottie. Get back away! I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for ah!
4: alright Joe. check it. Time to get busy. Who
5: does he think he is, Brad Pitt? <laughs> Like Gwyneth. But with bigger boobs. Oh, totally bigger boobs. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs!
4: Columbia Pictures presents an
1: event 18
5: years in the making when you find out who your friends really are. I don't think she's prettier than Gwyneth. Not even. What your future really holds. I am
1: going to have sex with someone at this party. Whoa!
5: And how one night can change your life. I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's got to be Amanda. I how it's gonna be.
0: All right, I'm stopping the trailer a little earlier. Um, I wanted to just point out um, that there's a line in the trailer by Jason Siegel about a watermelon with vodka that was later cut out of the movie to get it a PG-13 ra- rating. But it's, 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 it really adds to the knowledge of that character, I guess, later on. <laughs> Sure does. That was the only
1: yeah. part that I just like almost laughed out loud at in the trailer. And yeah. I was like, I don't remember that part even a little bit. So that makes sense. True. All right. Can't Finally Wait was released June 12th, 1998. So happy 25th anniversary, y'all. Yeah. Yay! It was written and directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. It starred Ethan Embry, Lauren Ambrose, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Seth Green, Charlie Corsmo, and Peter Facinelli.
4: All
3: right. So um, the basic premise of Can't Hardly Wait, it's, it's the night of graduation and there's a big party being held. And Preston Myers finds out that his longtime crush, Amanda Beckett, is no longer with her popular boyfriend, Mike Dexter. Uh, Preston convinces his best friend, Denise, to come to the party with him where he will finally confess his feelings to Amanda. Uh, the other students arrive at the party with their own agendas One of the characters is Kenny Fisher. He is hoping to lose his virginity that night. Uh, Class valedictorian William Lichter wants to get revenge on Mike Dexter for years of bullying. And Mike Dexter wants to convince his friends to dump their girlfriends too, so they can all be single together. And then everyone's paths intersect in unpredictable ways as they enjoy a wild party attended by every type of 90s high school student.
0: Yeah, so there's a there's a lot of interesting facts to know about the film. Um, Can't Hardly Wait was the directorial debut for writing and directing partners, Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfant. And we previously talked a bit about them on our Leap Year episode, episode nine. They had just finished writing their first feature, a very Brady sequel. And they came up with Can't Hardly Wait like as a film that they could make cheaply. Since it would mainly shoot in one location, like using very young actors, and it would be like just on a single day in the movie. One of their inspirations for the movie was the party scene in Say Anything. But like, I actually Mm -hmm. don't remember a party scene in Say Anything. Do you guys remember that? Yes, absolutely. And I I I feel that vibe. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. mm -hmm. So the success of Scream in 1996 created a demand for more teen movies. And this helped Kaplan and Elfant to gain funding. In the original draft of the story, things were a little different. Preston was supposed to fall in love with Denise, his best friend, rather than pursuing Amanda. And originally, the male characters were all members of a friend group instead of characters that represented different types of students. So that would have been like, a—I think that would have been a little more um, sort of standard would had already been done. What do you guys think?
3: Yeah, even though I do like the idea of Preston and Denise, like yeah. together. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty...
0: It's been done. Yeah, it's, it seems a little John Hughesy to me, like a little bit more like the past. And I feel like Can't Hardly Wait, like intersecting all those different people, like was kind of interesting. So Jennifer Love Hewitt was asked to play the role of Amanda. She didn't have to audition. Uh, for the other people, Deborah Kaplan was dating Meyer at the time. And he's the person who told Ethan Embry, Peter Facinelli, and Seth Green about the auditions. So yeah, good job there, Breckenmeyer. Meyer. Nice. breckenmeyer also plays the lead singer of love burger in the film i don't know how to pronounce that name the burger has like a umlaut over it or something yeah something that's
4: funny
0: (laughs) ethan embry was initially asked to read for william because they didn't think he was a, a leading man type but he insisted on auditioning for preston um, Embry told VH1 that he was, quote, the world's biggest stoner while shooting the movie, and he didn't have that many set memories as a result. <laughs> <laughs> like, nice. basically, he's saying he was stoned the entire time, and I would not have noticed that. Did any of you pick that up from his performance? No. no. I, I did
3: note, I did read that before, and now watching it, I was, like, more aware of it when I watched it. And yeah, I can definitely see it. Really? yeah and there's also like there's also like a couple of other well we could talk about it later like some other inconsistencies in like the filming where it seems like they like aged you know obviously like it was filmed (laughs) at different times they're like different haircuts or something
0: Uh, yes yes that is true they had to do some pickup shots yeah so they they had to do some hair dyeing and stuff like that i can't remember who but yeah i I think ethan was one of the people though
3: yeah for sure because he like
0: changed a bit in some of the scenes so Charlie Corsmo was a last minute replacement for the role of William when they realized their original choice, 15-year-old actor Adam Han Bird, wasn't the right fit. I guess he was just like way younger than the other cast members, so it just seemed odd. Yeah. I guess. So they had to fire the poor guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, he was like, but my big break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Corsmo, interestingly, was had given up acting a long time ago and he was studying physics at MIT at the time. And I'll talk a little bit about him more later in the episode. Um, The movie began shooting in October, 1997 and shot for 26 days. And like I said before, a lot of the material relating to drinking and drugs was cut to earn it a PG 13 rating. And this I'm really sad about. I really wish I could see they don't have the deleted scenes of this. There was a whole character they had to cut called drunk crying girl. And it was played by Jennifer Elise Cox who played Jan in the Brady Bunch movies. And like the whole premise was, this was like, Nobody at the party could understand this character because she slurred her speech so much. So they had like subtitles under everything she
2: said. That's amazing. Yeah, that would have been cool.
0: Oh my God. And she's such a funny actress too. I would have freaking loved to have seen that. I think she does. Is she still in the scene? You see her like um, crowd surfing or something at one point? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's right. But man, I would have loved to see that performance. If they still have it out there someday, I hope they'll release it on like a director's cut or something. Anyway. The film had a budget of like between nine and ten million, and it made twenty-five million, which is not great, unfortunately. Uh, later, it would become a cult classic on video and DVD. And though Kaplan and Elfont continued writing movies after Can't Hardly Wait, they directed only one more feature film, Josie and the Pussycats, and they did a little bit of directing on TV as well. So, for Josie and the Pussycats, I don't know, are any of you Josie and the Pussycats fans? No. Yeah, everyone said it was good and I watched it and I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> but there's Never a lot of people it. who really love this movie. But there is one funny part in the movie. Seth Green, Donald Faison, Brecken Meyer and Alexander Martin who plays the exchange student all appeared in Josie and the Pussycats as members of a boy band Du Jour and they sing a song Backdoor Lover
2: in the movie. That's awesome. I would I would Watch the film now for that scene.
0: I and honestly, it's right near the beginning of the movie. So you really don't have to watch the rest of the movie if you just want to
2: watch that. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Anyway, another interesting connection. There are three cast members from Six Feet Under in Can't Hardly Wait. So in addition to Lauren Ambrose, who who would go on to play Claire Fisher, a main character in the show, Freddie Rodriguez uh, plays one of Mike Dexter's friends. And he played another important role on the show, Federico. And then Eric Bolfer, who plays the guy who licks Ambrose's face at the party, um, plays her boyfriend later in Six Feet Under, which when I saw Six Feet Under, I'm like, oh my God, he's Can't Hardly Wait also. And I was like, that's so weird. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about our general opinion of the movie. And I'm just going to start because I have a funny story. So Can't Hardly Wait came out when I was working in the movie theater. And we had this box office where you could like hear people talking outside, like in your ear, in your headphones. And so you'd sometimes just hear people having conversations out in front of the theater. So there were these two older ladies who are probably our age now, honestly, let's be honest here. They, they were standing in front of the Can't Hardly Wait um, poster. And one of them goes to her friend, can't hardly wait. Can't wait for what? You know what that implies. And then the other lady goes, disgusting. <laughs> Did I tell you that story before? Any of you like that,
4: that was yes. like, I heard
1: that story, but I don't think I paid attention to it. it was a can't hardly wait. Was a, can't you do hardly was that was what disgusting. What
2: disgusting? If they were our age and being all disgusted, what the hell? Like well, they might they might have they been older. I'm just saying, when you're like 20, you think everybody looks you
0: know ancient,
2: right?
1: Probably <laughs> were they probably were like 40s and 50s, and like but they're boomers, so like oh, it was disgusting. That's
2: right.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yes. The moral depravity of our generation, like was on display in this poster and movie. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so it was at the theater and I went and saw it and I really liked it, you know, just from seeing it in the theater, I might've seen it more than once even when it came out. And then like, I certainly watched it like a ton of times on DVD. And then for this most recent watch, like I loved it, like just as much as I did when I was younger, maybe even more. Like I told Lee, like I'm like smiling this entire movie. Like I'm laughing and smiling for everything and it was such a nice feeling because like that doesn't happen to me with many movies. And maybe your guys' results will vary. I'm going to find out what your opinion is. But like for me, this movie really held up. It really captures something, I think, about different high school situations. Of course, it's exaggerated, but that's for the comedy. So
2: I liked it. I was talking about it with my brother and he said, oh, we saw it in the theater together, which I didn't remember, but I totally believe him. And that makes me really happy. Um because I remember seeing it a lot on DVD. I had the DVD for a while, and uh, I think a friend borrowed it and never gave it back. but uh, I've I always liked it and and I enjoyed it again this time too. And certain parts I even liked better this time, and um, oh. do you yeah. want to tell us now or will
0: you tell us later when they happen?
2: It's the angel scene
0: okay yeah Yeah, i liked it better now too you're right like when i first saw it, i was like what is this scene but when i watched it again i'm like this is way this is way better than i remembered yeah yeah
3: i remember seeing it in high school i was solidly in high school when this came out um and i liked it and then again yes for some reason this was something that was always on and was like very quotable at the time as well even i can't really remember some of the things that were like quoted i think a lot of kenny's dialogue was quoted a lot um yeah
0: if you go um, on twitter in fact and you try to find a gif for this movie it's like like only kenny like being like damn why you gotta waste my flavor or something like that
3: yes yes i feel like a lot of that was like repeated a lot like in high school and then like you were always hearing like these quotes and then yeah and watching it again it is it's like it's nostalgia porn like it's so nostalgic (laughs) because it does really like capture it does capture like a moment in time you know and they do 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 a really good job of like it doesn't feel like i mean it is exaggerated somewhat but doesn't feel forced it feels pretty like spot on yeah the music i do i do love it yeah oh the music for sure yeah and i do i do like it i like it now i liked it then it was it was definitely like one of my like go-to movies to like watch
1: all right sybil what you got for us so i i had not not even seen this movie and i watched it and was like wow i don't understand why people like this movie i mean it's fine (laughs) um but i think it's one of those ones that if you don't see when like in your formative years you are just like this movie's stupid um i don't know yeah. if i
0: would feel that way but but I, I trust that you feel that way but i don't know if i would i don't know but go ahead i go can ahead, see so. that i can
1: Once see that in your formative years you have different like memories and such attached to this movie so what i came away with was like i'm so glad that seth green stopped acting because oh he's terrible
0: i mean to be frank he does still act he's a voice he's a voice actor <laughs> he's
1: now a voice acting. that's great he's amazing as a voice actor but like he cannot hold the screen even a little bit. Hey, Seth, I disagree, sorry. I disagree
2: no. with you,
0: Sybil. No, absolutely not. And- yeah, oh, I, I disagree too. Yeah. He knows because
1: he stopped. He understood. No, no, no but he,
0: did he stopped fun. probably because he's like five foot. He's, he kept at the and He mostly doesn't get roles because he's like really short and like, yeah. And and he,
1: Michael J. Fox was very short and he's he got roles and now he's like, uh, no, I
0: mean, he's, I, it's no, different. I love him. Yeah. I think he's great. When, and when the movie came when the movie came out, like he was considered like the breakout of the movie. Like like Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt had already broken out, but like he like right. Seth Green was considered like the new breakout. I think they Absolutely. just didn't know what to do with him, like um live action. Long term. But his yeah. voices Long-term. worked. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love him as and like I love Robot Chicken. I think the stuff that he does. I think he's a, like an amazing like mind. Um I, I definitely think he should not be acting, that's for sure. Um, I enjoyed pieces of it as in like, like the angel scene. I really liked that. Like there are pieces Mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed. But in in general, I was like, wow, this movie's, it just didn't speak to me. And I was like, I was like, wow, at some point, I'm glad that it's going to be over
0: oh it's <laughs> so sad well, I'm okay. sorry. I mean,
1: so, and once again it's one of those teen films that you're just like right you, know, you have no okay. You
0: okay I'm gonna say that I don't think it's nostalgia for me though I really don't because it's not like I connected this movie with like a time in my life per se like I like it, just like it did like speak to me at the time because like the culture it hit the culture but like I, it's not like one of those movies where I was like dreamily lusting over one of the characters or like I saw it with a boyfriend or something I feel like if another movie just like this emerged out of the ether with like Writing that was this good and like the way they put the characters together, and I'd never seen it from the 90s, I would be so grateful. I'd be like, oh my God, it's a treasure, like that I've under. I don't know. That's what I think. Anyway, okay. So, so... any more anyone wants to say about opinion before we do cast and crew?
2: No, we can dive in.
0: So, first for the cast and crew, for more information on writers, directors, Harry Elfond and Deborah Kaplan, listen to Every Romcom Episode 9 on Leap Year. So, yeah, surprising. Can't hardly wait in
2: Leap year, but there you are. Okay, so let's start with Ethan Embry, whom I love. He plays the character Preston. Ethan was born in 1978 in Huntington Beach, California. He started acting at 12. His first IMDb credit is for a, a TV miniseries in 1990. His first film role is in Defending Your Life in 1991. And in his early film credits, he was listed as Ethan Randall. In 1991, he also had starring roles in the movies Dutch and another film, All I Want for Christmas. In 1993, he co-starred in a live-action Disney film, A Far Off Place with Reese Witherspoon. Did anybody see that? It's no, I so want to see, see it so now. So good. I'm sad I missed that back then, but time to time to catch it. Um, other work before "Can't Hardly Wait" included Empire Records, yay, in 1995, and "That Thing You Do," yay, in 1996. <laughs> Love those films. Okay, agree. After "Can't Hardly Wait," he kept working steadily, mostly in TV, but his next prominent role wasn't until 2002 as a small town friend of Reese Witherspoon's character in Sweet Home Alabama. Yay, I love that one as well <laughs> and his character in that film. Uh he continued to work steadily through the 2000s and 2010s. Some of his most well-known roles in that time were the TV shows Brotherhood, Once Upon a Time, and Sneaky Pete. And in the movies Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, Blind Spotting, and First Man. Interestingly, he's also appeared in a lot of low-budget horror movies, including They, The House Across the Street, Night of the Wolf, and The Devil's Candy. Most recently, Embry played Coyote Bernstein on the TV show Grace and Frankie and appeared in two episodes of Gotham Nights. He's in pre-production on a comedy called Rights and Wrongs. And in addition to acting, Embry also has a cinematography credit on a 2017 short film called *The Feminist*. You are—you are, you are an Ethan can. Embry fan. You are I definitely. Am. I am. <laughs> He's adorable. I love him. We're the same age. That makes me happy too. For some reason, I don't know why.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, you're also the same age as Lauren Ambrose, who was yes. born in 1978 in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, She trained in drama and as an opera singer. And she she began as a stage actor in New York at 12 years old. Uh, Her film debut was in 1997 in the movie In and Out. And then after Can't Hardly Wait, she appeared on Party of Five and had leading roles in the independent films Swimming and Psycho Beach Party, uh, which Psycho Beach Party is a trip. And Swimming's like one of those like super lo-fi indie films that you would see in the 90s, right? But Psycho Beach Party is kind of fun. I don't know. Um, Then she joined the cast of Six Feet Under as a key member of the ensemble from 2001 to 2005. And I love that show, too. Like, it really helped me. um, It really helped me a lot just to cry a lot over my mom watching that show. Because, of course, it's about a funeral home and death. So I really recommend that. After Six Feet Under, Ambrose continued to work in TV and film, as well as beginning to work on Broadway and on other theater projects. So some of her other TV and film work included Diggers, Loving Leah sleepwalk with me and wanderlust and her broadway productions include awake and sing exit the king and she was eliza doolittle in a 2018 production of my fair lady and she won a tony for that so that's kind of awesome amazing and most recently she's appeared in the tv shows servant and yellow jackets coming up for lauren ambrose she's going to appear in the movies tonight at noon and caddo All right, let's
1: talk about Jennifer Love Hewitt, who played Amanda. She's born in 1979 in Waco, Texas. As a child, she was really into music. She performed as a singer at a livestock fair when she was only three years old. It's kind of amazing to me to think about, like... It's adorable. Right? She also took dance lessons as a child and began touring with a group called the Texas Show Team. Around 1989, Hewitt and her mom moved to LA and she began getting commercial work. Her TV debut was from 1989 to 91 in the Disney show Kids Incorporated. In 1992, Hewitt released a pop album called Love Songs, which apparently did huge in Japan. In 1993, Hewitt appeared in Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Then in 1995, Hewitt got her big break with a role on, on the TV show Party of Five, which I think all of us know. It was a family drama that ran until 1999.
0: Yeah, I never watched Party of Five, but when I looked at the cast, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like Nev Campbell and Matthew Fox are in yeah. this too, and they were yep. huge. So yeah, yep. I was like, "Whoa!"
1: It's also one of those shows. Like when you watch it, you're like, later, you're like, "Oh my god!" Everyone who was who became somebody had like a bit role on this show.
4: Hmm. Hmm. You know,
1: they like they like had a, a character role.
4: Okay,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing to go back and watch it. I didn't watch it when it was on, but I I watched it during a summer. Like, probably a decade ago, because I was like, I need something to watch. Party of Five is streaming on Netflix. And it holds up, it does a pretty good job. It's a little like folky at times, but it's fun. Okay. In 1997, Hewitt scored another big breakout with the teen horror movie, I Know What You Did Last Summer. (laughs) She also appeared in the 1998 sequel, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. and she also she recorded a song for that called How Do I Deal for the sequel soundtrack which reached 59 on the chart pretty amazing actually come on hewitt recorded four original albums in total and also released a 2006 greatest hits album for asia obviously from 1999 to 2001 hewitt starred in the party of 5 spin-off series Time of Your Life not nearly as good by the way okay not okay as good. All right. In 2001, she co-starred in the female con artist comedy Heartbreakers with Sigourney Weaver. Such a good movie. In 2002, she appeared in the action comedy The Tuxedo with Jackie Chan. In 2004, she appeared in Garfield, the movie, alongside uh-huh. fellow Can't Hardly Wait member Breckin Meyer. She also appeared in the 2006 sequel, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties.
0: I just want to say that the Garfield, the movie, when that came out, I was like so tripped out because we once uh, made fake uh, movies and put them on the marquee of the Lake Geneva Cinema. Okay. The Carmichael Geneva 4 theater. We made fake movies and put them on the marquee to trick people as a prank. (laughs) Right. And we tried to think of the most ridiculous movies we could think of. And one of them was Garfield the movie. What? So when that actually did come out a few years later, we were like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like we that's saw right. the future.
1: Wow. In a in a world where we're making Legos into a movie that's actually making money, Marvel <laughs> movie is doing fine. Anyway, I just needed to say that. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right. From 2005 to 2010, Hewitt starred in another popular TV show, The Ghost Whisperer. In 2010, Hewitt starred in a TV movie called The Client List about a housewife leading a double life, working in a massage parlor to raise money for her family. Okay, I have a question. Did anybody else watch this? No, no. I totally have.
0: The movie or the TV show? Because the, then it got turned both. into a TV show. I was about to say, hold on,
1: both. So it was turned into a TV show from t- with the same name from 2011 to 2013. I watched them both. Okay. And I'm going to be honest with you. They were such bad cheese. I loved them so much. (laughs) Yes. Like, it's the kind of cheese where, like, you flip your hair and it almost, like, they film it and she flips her hair and, like, her, she's like, no. And you're like, yes. It's, they're amazing. They're amazing. Okay. Okay. She then appeared in Criminal Minds from 2014 to 2015. Most recently, she's been a cast member on 911 from 2018 to 2023. According to a February 2023 article in Deadline, a sequel reboot to "I Know What You Did Last Summer" probably like I still hopefully know what you did last summer. and We're not dead yet. <laughs> is a development, and Hewitt and and co-star Freddie Prince Jr. are being asked to return.
0: So if they're going to reboot Scream, I'm okay with them rebooting. I know what you did last summer. That's all I'm okay. going to say.
1: Yeah, I think if they do it with like a like a fun sense, that it'll be a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Everyone's favorite, Seth Green.
0: Except for Sybil. <laughs> Except for Sybil,
3: <laughs> Except for I know. He's just, no, nope. you know,
1: not my favorite in this movie. Born in
3: 1974 in Philadelphia, he's the, the oldie, started <laughs> acting at age seven with a small role in a TV series called Mr. Merlin. He has over 200 acting credits on IMDb, many more than most of the actors we've covered. Part of the reason he has so many credits is that he often does guest spots on tv or take small even uncredited roles in movies first movie role in 1984 in the hotel new hampshire his career took off quickly from there with a lot of tv work and then the movies radio days and can't buy me love in 1987. other work before can't hardly wait included big business the 1990 miniseries version of stephen king's it and austin powers international man of mystery He also began working on Buffy the Vampire Slayer from 1997 to 2000. After Can't Hardly Wait, Green starred in the movie Idle Hands, reprised his role as Dr. Evil's son in Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. And in 1999, he began voicing one of the main characters on Family Guy, which is still going as of 2023. In the early 2000s, Green appeared in America's Sweethearts, Rat Race, Austin Powers in Goldmember, Party Monster, The Italian Job, and Without a Paddle. Then, in 2005, Green began writing, producing, voice acting, and sometimes directing the animated comedy show Robot Chicken. Green has won three Emmy Awards for his work on Robot Chicken. His Can't Hardly Wait co-stars Meyer and Donald Faison have also done regular voice work on Robot Chicken. Some of Green's other work has included guest appearances on the TV shows Entourage, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Phineas and Ferb, a starring role in the TV show Dads, and regular voice acting roles in Hulk and the Agents of Smash, and a 2010 reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In 2019, Green wrote, directed, and starred in his feature film Changeland, co-starring longtime collaborator Meyer. Recently, Green has continued voice acting on Family Guy, provided the voice of Howard the Duck for small appearances in The Guardians of the Galaxy movies and TV shows, and appeared in the TV series Girl*. Seth Green doesn't have any projects listed as upcoming on IMDb.
2: Don't you think it's really rad that these four main actors here all started young, super duper young, and like they're... they're- Continue to work, and I think I, like that just makes me really happy for the working yeah. actor. They didn't yeah. have breakdowns. They didn't
0: have yeah that child right. actor syndrome. Yeah,
2: right, right. Other important cast and crew include Charlie Corzmo as William, Peter Facinelli as Mike Dexter, and Jenna Elfman as the Angel.
0: And many other teen actors appeared in the film and went on to big careers. Some of them are Brecken Meyer, Donald Faison. Melissa Joan Hart, Jamie Presley, Sean Patrick Thomas, Freddie Rodriguez, Jerry O'Connell. He was actually already pretty big. Selma yeah, Blair, be. Clea Duvall, and Jason Siegel. So there's just like you look around in this movie and everywhere you're like, hey, 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 yep. you. It's amazing. All right. Yeah. We are finally ready to begin the actual movie. Oh, my gosh. We did spend a long time on preliminaries today. Sorry, listeners. But I hope it was worth it. Plus, we've mentioned Howard the Duck twice in one episode. I don't know how that happened. Oh, man. It's Okay, so the opening of this movie, they open at a graduation ceremony with a montage of just different graduation scenes and some voiceovers. And um, Elfont and Kaplan actually did some of the voices for those voiceovers, which is interesting. And this gives us the idea of the Mike and Amanda breakup because everybody's talking about it. It's like the big news at the graduation ceremony. Now we also start introducing our characters. And I love the way they introduce characters in this movie um, using their yearbook page with their picture and their activities and their plans and their quote. And first we get Preston. So Preston's activities are literary journal, honor society, swimming. His plans are Dartmouth. And his quote is, beware of all enterprises that require new clothes. Henry David Thoreau. I love the way it gives you like a picture of who this guy is like right away.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Like And I feel like when I looked at all of their um pages, like, we'll go and we'll do the rest of them later, I feel like I'm closest to him, honestly. Like, that's probably more my archetype than any of the others. Did you guys identify with any of the different archetypes of the six characters who get these things?
2: I, I felt like Preston's as well.
4: Okay. Like, I did some
2: stuff. I did a sport, you know, I didn't, like, have an extreme jock or loner or <laughs> you know, nerd. It wasn't any it was just kind of middle of the road. I just like for me it
0: was the flavor of his quote. The flavor of his quotes kind of like it's literary, you know, it's intelligent mm. and it's and it's kind of earnest as well, but a little bit pretentious at the same time. I'm like, <laughs> yeah,
2: that that fits. <laughs> That's funny.
0: We also get re- introduced to his friend Denise right away too because they're talking to each other. Her activities are none, her plans are NYU, which okay, do you think you would get into NYU if you'd done no activities no, in high school? No, not.
2: she had to have done something. And what is she going to NYU for? Like, there's a lot of things you can do at NYU.
0: I feel so, like maybe if you were like had the best SAT score ever, maybe you could still get in NYU with no activities. About, but I don't know. Maybe it's she's a sport, legacy. Like, she's yeah. clearly
1: one of those people, those Nepo babies that. Like her parents <laughs> paid a bunch of money for her to just get into a school.
2: No, because we find out later her parents don't have a lot of money. So what we do? We find that out? Yeah. In the bathroom. Yeah, but, she does say that, yeah. oh, but that's okay. just
1: because she's a liar. She can't help it. Oh
0: my god. So it's funny. her grandparents. You're creating it's entirely new backstories. It's
3: okay. her grandparents' legacy. That's what I think. That's right. <laughs> okay. That's funny. <laughs>
0: Anyway, um, her quote, Denise's quote is a true friend stabs you in the front from Oscar Wilde. So who here is a Denise? Anyone is a Denise here? I'm probably the closest to
1: Denise f- in school, but like I had lots of activities and super amounts of plans.
0: I'm going off the quote too. I'm going off the flavor yeah. of the quote, like whose quote uh, The you? flavor of that
1: quote is probably almost identical to what I put in my yearbook. Nice.
0: Yeah, I guess I'd probably be closest
3: to Denise. <laughs> I did. I did go through quite an Oscar Wilde phase in high school as, did you? as well I did yeah I was kind well, of that seems, obsessed that seems, there on point. that seems on point
0: and then you have the whole Oscar Wilde velvet gold mine association so there you go yeah, so I think that's how
3: point. it all yeah that's why it all tied in nice oh, wow. nice
0: cool So Preston is telling Denise his story after he finds out that Amanda and Mike have broken up. He talks to Denise about the first day he saw Amanda Beckett, who has this huge crush on. This is told in a flashback, um, set to the song "Walking on the Sun" by Smash Mouth. I can't do the song; I can't reproduce it. But if you were in the nineties, it's such a (laughs) nineties freaking song. And there's like smoke in the air in the flashback too, which I thought was interesting to make it like look sort of mystical. Um, Yeah. Sophia, like I could do this quote, I could do this monologue or you can do the monologue or if somebody else is really feeling it, they could do it. But like, what do you think? I'm going to try this. Hold on. I got this. I also
1: think that one of the interesting things about this is that they try to keep her like a mystery, like they try to like her face is hidden and all the stuff's going on. And then I'm like,
0: but why? I think it was to build her up in the film. Like, so her entry had like a huge impact. Like that's what it might have an impact on me. Okay, cool. I I don't know. The whole film didn't
1: have (laughs) an impact on you. All right. I'm going to go ahead and try this. I'm going to give this a go because I I actually really, I do like, I like this intro. I like like, for writing. It was October freshman year. First time in history that I'd ever missed the bus. If I had arrived on time, I never would have seen her. But as it was, I was the first person in Huntington Hills High to set eyes on Amanda Beckett. It was her first day at school. Then I'm sitting in class, enjoying a late breakfast when out of all the classrooms in the entire school, she walks into mine. And where does the teacher sit her? Right next to me. Now, up until now, one could write this off as coincidence. But then she reaches into her bag and pulls out a strawberry pop tart, the very same breakfast pastry I was consuming at that moment. What was I to do? How was I to proceed?
4: Yay! Good job. <laughs> Yay.
1: Like, just, okay. like, you know everything about like this movie based on like the, in like, so the intro of this, you know, everything about this movie. You're like, okay, so this is going to be like a, we're going to break the fourth wall, kind of like romping a little bit. And, you know, we're, we're going to have a good time. And then it's going to be just like a little bit irreverent,
4: right?
0: Yeah. Oh, and yeah. can I tell? Can I just say? I looked at the. I watched the commentary for this movie, and a scene that a shot that I never even noticed. They took so many pains to make. There's this shot of like a slow motion strawberry pop tart like falling down as yeah. Mike Dexter takes Amanda Beckett on a tour of the school, like the, the the sign of his defeat. And they spent so much time trying to figure out how to get a slow motion shot of that pop tart falling. I hope wow. any of you noticed the shot because I, did- I, <laughs> I, I did. I did. I did. I did notice it. Yes
1: it's like a grenade going down right like oh
2: (laughs) it was not for nothing that they did that thing good (laughs) okay and this is why i love ethan Embry. first of all i love the writing of the line a strawberry pop-tart the very same breakfast pastry i was consuming at that moment and then i think he's so cute in his delivery of like what was i to do how was i to proceed he's adorable
0: yeah well how he proceeds is he doesn't speak up when the teacher asks uh who wants to give her a tour so mike dexter gives her the tour and it's implied that like that's the moment when the fate was sealed right and um yeah this whole thing is very epic in preston's mind it's like in his mind he's like a rom-com character already right yeah and he believes in signs so um he has this letter that he's kept all these years that he wanted to give to amanda and um he tells Denise that tonight's the night because this is the breakup has happened. And then he heard the song Mandy by B- Mary Manilow playing and he connects that to Amanda. He's like, Mandy, Amanda? And Denise is looking at him like he's freaking nuts right here. Okay. But I kind of relate to him because, like, I'm i I'm sadly, and I think I'm starting to get over this in my life. But like, sadly, I'm one of those people who's like, it's a sign I should do this or I should do that, and like grasping at straws to find a sign about your crush or whatever. How do you How do you guys feel about this? Are you more of a um, Preston or a Denise on this end?
2: I did this when I was younger, maybe junior high, early high school, but like quickly learned, experienced that that was bullshit, and so <laughs> moved on. I've definitely I've definitely had
3: signs, but I think I misinterpreted signs. So, like, I've Mm -hmm. I've dated multiple people with, like, the same name, like, and I've been like, oh, that's oh. a sign because, like, it's the same name. Or I've dated multiple people with the same birthday. And I'm like, oh. oh, it's it's a it's a sign. But it was a sign. It was a sign that those people were terrible for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should have run the other direction. Like, the sign was there. It was like, yeah, you should have learned your lesson with uh. the first one. And then I did it. <laughs>
1: so, yes, I did There's- believe in signs. There is an amazingly good show called Miracle Workers. Um, so good. And essentially, the very first season is about how the, the is this guy's job is to show give people signs, like he's part of the signs department in heaven. And it's hysterical. He's oh. like, well, nobody ever sees the signs, and if they do, they ignore them or they just misinterpret them. And it's like a montage of like the missed signs, and they're hysterically just like that.
2: Oh, That's fantastic. Funny. I would love that. Okay. I, I'm a big fat liar. Like I said, Oh, I learned early on. It was bullshit. No, I totally do. It's still so. I, I, but I question I it a little it. bit harder. I, suppose, and I think the sometimes
0: science. there, there might be like weird. I, I do kind of believe in soul and spirit and stuff like that. So I think sometimes you may get a sign. It's just hard to know like what's wishful thinking sometimes and what's like a real sign or what's like a real connection. So right. I, I still got a little bit of that romantic in me, but you gotta be careful also. Yes. Yes. Okay, so we now move on to Mike Dexter. So we're cutting back and forth between the characters who are going to be our main characters in the movie. And we're signaled that they are going to be a main character by their having a yearbook picture show up. So Mike Dexter's yearbook is uh, this. His activities, varsity football, varsity baseball, varsity wrestling, varsity track, homecoming king, his future plans, Ithaca College, and his quote is, just win, baby, um, which is from L. Davis, owner of the Oakland Raiders. I did not look into anything about L. Davis. There might be a joke in there, too, but I didn't check. So sorry about that. And we see um, Mike Dexter at the diner, which I love because high school students like I, I don't know, at least my our high school. We went to the, the diner Hanny's usually or like a White Fox Den in Burlington was the other one. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that does feel like a very '90s thing. Like I remember just like drinking copious amounts of coffee and like mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes <laughs> when you could yeah. smoke inside.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was coffee and and French fries or pie, like that was my deal. But yeah, you you would go there and you would meet your friends and like totally. So this diner scene is really relatable. And at this diner scene, Mike Dexter is trying to get his friends to break up with their girlfriends so that they can all be single and ready to meet college women. He does this whole speech about how they're going to go to college and they're going to meet women. So why do they need their girlfriends?
2: What a caricature. Like, I I would say that in the viewing of it in 98, I just was like, yep, those people existed. Looking back now, I'm like, boy, these people are over the top. And (laughs) so,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely there were dudes behaving ridiculously in high school still. Some of some of the jocks were were like that. But yeah, everything has to be exaggerated a little bit for the film, I think. Okay, including the exaggerated nerd that we get now, William Lichter, played by Charlie Corsmo. Okay, and so Charlie Corsmo actually was kind of a nerd in his real life. So he was studying physics at MIT when he took a break to do Can't Hardly Wait. And after being in Can't Hardly Wait, he ended up leaving acting. He worked in public policy in DC for a while, and then he graduated from Yale Law School. He's today a law professor at Case Western Reserve University. And um, he's made just one more independent film over the years 2018's uh, Change for Life. And do you guys remember him from like Hook, for example? Like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah, I loved yeah. him in those. So I was glad to see him again and can't hardly wait. But yeah, you can take a law class from him if you go to Case Western Reserve University. That's awesome. Anyway, so William Lichter, we get his yearbook entry. Activities, it's like a joke, basically, because it it starts off with like valedictorian or something. It has like basically every academic club you could imagine, like ending with like every language you could possibly learn. And then his future plans are Harvard. And his quote is, all great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Albert Einstein.
2: That one's a little too on the nose, given his
0: characters.
2: (laughs) That's funny. I really thought the scroll of all his activities was pretty cute. Like that was funny.
0: So he's introduced talking to his friends um, about their plan to take down Mike Dexter. Um, They're like his friends have matching X-Files t-shirts. Yeah. So I thought you would like that, right?
1: I did. did. They're so, they're like, so like lone gunman vibes going on. I was loved it.
0: Yeah. One of them has a, the truth is out there shirt. The other one has trust no one on their shirt. So. And so this is like William's like little speech. I'm going to have a clip of this. William gives a little speech about Mike Dexter and why he can't stand him. So here we are.
5: Witness exhibit A, my eighth grade science project, a working rainforest that Mike threw out a third floor window. It rains here no more. Witness exhibit B, an eye patch I wore for a month after Mike beamed me with a raisin in Home ec. My parents took me to a 3D film festival. I saw no third dimension. And of course, how can I forget the pudding incident? I know no one else has. Well, gentlemen, tonight, Mike Dexter will know humiliation. Tonight, Mike Dexter will know ridicule. Tonight is the night we fight back. Tonight is our independence night.
0: (laughs) And of course, um, he's doing a speech from Independence Day. Independence Day came out in ninety six. So yeah, that was a pretty current reference. That movie was huge. What do you think of the speech here? I thought that this
1: is how like a supervillain starts. Like like literally Ooh. like like this is how like if you like if you did like a backstory of a supervillain right here. Super smart. And, like somebody bullied him really badly and he just wants to get back. He wants to get back at the world
0: now. Yeah. yeah. Well, his actual plan is basically, for me, this is like basically cribbed right out of Heather's, right? Like the plan is like lure Mike Dexter and one of his friends to the pool house where they're going to chloroform him, jump on them, chloroform them, and then make it look like they're like in some kind of gay relationship, taking off their clothes and putting weird props around them. Which like, again, it's not great to have this like homophobic kind of like being gay is bad kind of thing. But it does, yeah, it does actually track with like the kind of thing you would have done. And it's but it is cribbed almost directly from Heathers, I would say. Anyone else want to say more about this scene?
2: Not so much about this scene, but uh his two friends with their X Files shirts. I mean, I thought they were fine when I initially saw it, but this time around I really loved them a lot and thought Oh they, yeah <laughs> Yes, they really cracked me up. So yeah, I think they definitely did a great job in the parts. I think a few
0: of them were actually up for the bigger roles. Like most, that's the case with a lot of the side actors in the movie. They had tried for the bigger roles and then they got put in these side roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now moving on to Kenny Fisher, who kind of stole the show back in 98. So Kenny Fisher's yearbook entry, we see activities, JV basketball, one game, which <laughs> per, chef's kiss on that. That's perfect, right? Yep. Future plans, to UCLA, quote, Picture me rolling, Tupac, okay? And um, Kenny plans to have sex at this party and he has packed a quote unquote love kit. As you will hear from our clip that we're gonna play, Kenny is like part of a subculture of white kids who are pretending to be black by like dressing and what they consider black fashion and like talking in a black scent, etc. right? So this was actually a thing I'll tell a little bit more about after we hear the clip. But first hear this clip.
5: Yo, I got to have sex tonight. uh, uh, I'm in pink, It It's here 92% of honeys at UCLA sexually active. 92% of women in Los Angeles at UCLA walking around going, class or sex. What shall I do? 92%! Yo, you know what that means, don't you? That means I got some 92% chance of embarrassing myself. I roll up on that shorty like... What's up, yo? She be like, um, yeah. you don't know 20 different ways to make me call you Big
4: Papa? Because I don't, yo. Rest
5: in peace. What's up, man? Who be the lucky honey? Yo, I ain't decided yet, right? But I figure all the bitches in the class gonna be at this party, you know? I gotta to give them all an equal opportunity to Special okay? K. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finalists. You know what I said? What's up, man? You know what I'm saying? Well, up, think? Yeah. Check this out. Observe sorry the love kit that so is like
0: one of yeah it's so ridiculous but it's one of like the boldest character entries in the 90s movie that i can remember you know what i mean mm-hmm. like just yeah. full
2: on mm-hmm. back in the 90s it made it didn't phase me at all this character now i'm like yuck a little like yeah, in the, yeah a little cringy a little cringy I mean, he's he's, he's also
0: meant he's also meant to be cringy, to be fair, like in in this movie, he's supposed to be like ridiculous, like everybody looks at the party looks at them like they're ridiculous, like Denise and Preston look at them like they're ridiculous, like, um, yeah, like he's not there. We're not supposed to be like, like thinking, oh, that's a really great idea. that These guys are all like doing this. But I think
1: we all and also I think we all knew someone that kind of like this, Mm
3: -hmm. like
1: we knew that like person who was like, you're like, oh, so you're like this rich white guy and you're trying to be like down with the homies.
0: So I did a little bit of like, like slight research. The, There's an article from the Independent from the UK in 1993 that was actually still up on the internet. Um, and it quotes New York marketing consultant Marion Salzman saying, to put it simply, black is where it's at. This is the most important new trend to hit fashion. And it may turn out to be the biggest trend of the 90s. That's where like the mindset was. And of course there was also already pushback against the trend at the time. So a young black woman is quoted in the same article saying they're perpetrating a fraud by being something they're not right. And like, if people saw this movie today, they'd be like, what the fuck is that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think it's important to say that Kenny is not supposed to be like admirable. He's supposed to seem like, what is your problem, dude? Like, and and that is uh, one of his arcs in the movie is kind of like slightly moving away from his act yeah okay and i just wanted to also point out that in this sa- like in this same scene um you see the first appearance of klepto kid that's how he's listed in the credits this guy who's always stealing shit all the time in every scene i don't remember what he steals in this scene but i love this guy he's played by same. chris owen who plays sherman in the american pie movies
2: yes i love him as well and all the crap that he he he, he takes it's really funny it's a funny little bit throughout the whole film
0: all right, we're going to move on to the actual party. So people are going to start converging at the party. Um, Preston and Denise enter the party and they are greeted by the actress Michelle Brookhurst, who plays, this is what how she's listed in the credits, girl whose party it is. Okay. <laughs> so Michelle Brookhurst apparently has gone on to work in film and TV, but in the costuming department now. So she's still around. I thought her character was super funny throughout this film
2: too. Same. Yeah. 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 I agree.
0: Like, she's got this one scene where, like, she thinks somebody's, like, dragged poop into the party, like, and then she starts, like, sniffing everybody's shoes.
2: It's funny about with these characters. It's like, I'm going to have a big party. My parents aren't here. But everyone be respectful of the space. It's like, okay, like, that made me feel uh, that it's Shag vibes for me. And I know, Jen, you like the movie Shag. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And 16 Candles vibes too. Like, yeah. yeah. Like every party movie of the eighties, like this happens, right? Like hold a party. This is what's going to happen to your house. Okay. So let's see. Preston and Denise, Denise gets into the party. They split up. Preston's going to go try to talk to Amanda and Denise ends up like hanging out alone for like the first part of the party. Like no one knows who she
2: is. It's really kind of sad. I don't know. It's sad. And also very unbelievable. I, I don't believe that. You think so? Yeah, totally. Because if they knew Preston, they would know her. Do you know what I mean? Like, I but Preston was on the literary journal. I don't
0: know what does that mean. And swimming. It, well, he like, had activities. Remember, Denise had no activities.
2: Right. right, but if she's paddling around with him, they're going to know who she is. Anyway.
1: Okay. Okay. What I think is interesting about her is that she comes across, quite frankly, to me as like a goth character who's not who's who is being portrayed as not goth.
0: Hmm. Oh.
1: Yeah, there were do some
0: see some actual goths in the background at one point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: and I'm like, she would have been friends with those people.
1: Like, yeah, she would have been she would have been with a goth clique. She was like mislabeled. Like, she, she was, <laughs> like seriously, she like she, she doesn't want to do anything. She's she feels like a loser, right? But she's like super does smart. Does she feel like it. a loser
0: or does she feel like a winner? Because she's like, no, above she feels everybody. like a
1: loser. She has nobody oh, no at this party. She knows no one.
0: I don't know. I feel like Denise like maybe feels more like she just doesn't relate to people because she's like more mature than them. That's how I feel.
3: Yeah, I guess it is a little confusing as well, because it was just like, is she just not have any friends or do people not actually know who she is? It was like I couldn't really I-, I know there is that scene too where like the other girl sits down next to her and then, you know, makes the comment of like, I told you she went to our school. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I do think they do have a hard time portraying denise like they're they're not really like flushing her out good enough Mm -hmm. in the beginning it is like they didn't know exactly what to do with her or like where to
1: place her
3: Mm
4: -hmm.
1: i agree that like i don't it was very weird to me that like nobody knows who she is i'm like i feel weird that she doesn't have like the right click she's at this party her deal should be like i'm in a corner i'm sitting on a couch because i don't want to talk to anybody at this party okay i don't like these people
0: (laughs) that should have been who she was So we get introduced to a few more side characters. Uh, We have yearbook girl who is played by Melissa Joan Hart. Um, Of course, Melissa Joan Hart was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And Clarissa explains it all. And in a double feature I'm going to talk about later. But I love her yearbook girl character. She is so peppy and so like on all the time. Her whole thing is she's just trying to get everyone at the party to sign her yearbook.
2: Yep, the whole class. The whole class to sign her yearbook.
0: Send me your book, send me your book Melissa, I love her <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart's bringing all the energy to this role
2: Yep These are memories, would she say Trapped in time or captured in whatever
0: People <laughs> Something like that, yeah, yeah. Yep, Yeah. And we also get introduced to the exchange student character who like, uh, so we've progressed from um, doing 16 Candles, like kind of having Long Duck Dong, like an Asian character. We're now just using European students as our exchange students that we're going to have do ridiculous things. We have Alexander Martin is the exchange student. The other students are training him to say things and he learns to say, I am a sex machine. And then would you like to touch my penis? which i do not buy this for a minute that this like this is the thing that i find improbable because all these european kids they all know like five languages for right for yeah, right
2: they all know five That's languages true. and he's been there let's say all semester it's the last day of school he would have learned some english by now you know like <laughs> i don't know
1: I, I agree like i would have been like european students come over and they're like americans are so dumb
2: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: But anyway, we have to believe that this guy came from some like obscure village where they, they never taught him English. And yeah, he's just so, so happy to be there. Yep. And we also yep. get introduced to the band Love Burger. Um, they're going to play at this party. Um, Breck and Meyer's wearing this like ruffled shirt sort of prince outfit. Um, Donald Faison's like the drummer and he wants to wear like a cowboy hat. And one of the other guys in the band's trying to get everyone to wear Love Burger t-shirts. And they're all having arguments with each other.
2: I want a Love Burger t-shirt so bad after watching it. I'm like, I want that shirt! I love the band. The band cracks me up. I mean, I love their bit. Like, they get there and they're gonna play and they're so excited, but they start fighting and they don't play. And I don't know if this is a spoiler, but then... A bunch of events happen, and then, like towards the end, they like get back together, and they're about to play, and they get cut off again, and you, they never get to play. And yeah, I think I that's a funny bit. <laughs> I think that's I think funny
0: too.
4: Yeah,
1: and they're arguing, and their biggest argument is like how they should look, but, yep. like not, like what they're gonna like what their what their what their jam is, like how they're gonna look. Like, why we wearing a cowboy hat? Like they all are just so such posers, which is so like every Perfectly
2: high school. Yeah. yeah. So
0: every band. It's so every band you've ever seen.
2: What was it about? Also,
0: this is like the other. There's a. This is like the second movie in like the 1990s to have a black guy who wants to wear a cowboy hat. Actually, now it all makes sense. The same costume designer worked on Boogie Nights, and in that movie, yeah, the Don Cheadle character oh. in Boogie Nights is also a black guy who wants to wear cowboy clothes. And then like everybody's complaining that he looks stupid. So this is the same costume designer did both movies. So he must have a weird thing about like, won't it be interesting if we have a black character who wears a cowboy outfit? I don't really understand. Yeah. Not getting that. Okay. So the story gets going a little more now. Um, We find out from Preston and Denise's conversation that Denise used to be friends with Kenny Fisher. They're kind of like talking about this while they're mocking him dancing in the corner, looking ridiculous. Um,
4: and
0: we, yeah. And we also find out that Denise and Preston used to date for a week back in the eighth grade. And I think they put that in there just to get it out of people's heads that they're going to date again. So now we have Amanda Beckett makes her entrance to the party. This is like way more dramatic in my memory. Okay. Like in my memory, this was like super slow motion and like things, but it is somewhat dramatic. Like Jennifer Love Hewitt comes in, she stands still and there's like a wind machine blowing her hair. (laughs) Right, she's backlit. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: this, this is something that I felt like needed to go even more. Like she needed to have like, because it's in. She should have like I have a spotlight and there's like right. glitter or something and like because we hidden who she is and then all of a sudden she comes out and she should be she should be somebody like larger than life and she's not. She's just this chick.
0: I don't know. I think she's super like pretty like in her entrance and then also they're playing the song Six Underground by Sneaker Pimps, which is a really cool song. Like, I mean, I would love it if that song played when I came into her room. <laughs> yeah so we get this entrance this dramatic entrance and then we see her yearbook uh scroll the last one we're going to see her activities are cheerleading homecoming queen junior prom queen senior prom queen her future plans are undecided and her quote is i'd rather see the world from another angle talk about 90s references it's a quote from a jewel song jewel. So.
2: yes <laughs> i l- i have like four jewel albums like i like jewel a lot. So. so So maybe those aren't your activities, Sophia, but maybe that's your quote. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like to me it's really sad that her plans are undecided. I guess at one point they thought about having her wanting to go into nursing, but then they thought that it was better if she just seemed kind of like mysterious. What do you guys think about that?
2: It plays into my thoughts about uh their characters for later on.
3: I think it kind of made her seem a little lost. Yeah. Like yeah. that's kind of like what I, I gathered the whole time like from her character anyways is that she's just sort of lost, which is mm-hmm. sad. But sad but also like totally relatable at that time frame. Like it 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 seems sort of like obnoxious now that we do expect 18-year-olds to like plan out their entire adult life. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Anyways, we'll go more into that, I'm sure.
0: Okay, so before we go on about the movie and before we do our (laughs) spoiler section, because we're going to do our spoiler section early this week... I wanted to talk about our own yearbook, uh photos and quotes and activities and like who we were at kind of age 18. And um also like I'm going to put on Twitter, I'm going to put my yearbook photo at some point so you can see it. So check our Every Rom Com Twitter, Every Rom Com Pod Twitter account. You- Sophia, if you if I have your permission, I'll put your yes. little deal too. <laughs> Absolutely. Put that bad boy up there. So Why you can uh, you can go ahead and see like who Sophia and I were anyway in our in our yearbooks which is glorious let me tell you so you actually look like a fox okay you I look, look
2: lovely as well i'm like yep that's jen like it's perfectly you you haven't changed I, a bit and oh my gosh i hope i've changed a little anyway <laughs> anyway but
0: um yeah but like i wanted to share some of these things so first let's talk activities um what were some of your activities in high school everybody
1: i was a huge drama i was a huge drama club nerd oh yeah you were simple High yeah. have drama drama i also did i also was one of uh, like a statistician for every sport really yep that is Wait, interesting what? so because you could get you could letter so they would give you letters for that so you could have like a letterman's jacket and be and, like letter so like i was the person who like kept stats so i went i was like at every event always doing stats Oh wow. that's,
2: that's kind of cool. cool
1: yeah huh i had no idea and you lettered huh <laughs> yeah i lettered in like i don't even know because i never actually got a jacket because i was too poor but i think let's see i did track and field basketball volleyball baseball i did one more i can't remember
2: wow crazy that's awesome that yeah, is awesome I love sports wait you don't like you don't oh, like I, sports i
1: fucking hate sports
2: then what were you doing all the sports
1: i mean i didn't do the sports i i needed things to go on my like applications and stuff like really I literally did all activities based on the idea that I needed to get into college oh interesting I like my 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 yearbook would have said Sybil needed to get into college (laughs) yeah Yeah. and I didn't I had like almost like I really wasn't friends with anybody like I wasn't one of the deep friends with anybody I like I had one friend and he wound up coming out as gay and so he had the all these older friends as well after he came out to me And so we would hang out. We're like, we'd hang out with adults and like, we'd go party. And like, I did not hang out with high school students. I hung out with adults and I did lots of things that you should not be doing at my age.
2: What about you, Serena? I want to hear anything. I mean, I was
3: way more involved in like my earlier years in high school. And then that sort of just like tapered off as I got older and was just like disillusioned and, thought everything was bullshit. (laughs) Um but I did um I was in track. I was like a track star. Oh. Um and we actually really the years that I did it, we were actually really good. We went to state. I think we won state actually. Um like the team did. Like it was you did very well. Like Badgers uh track team was really good. And it was actually one of the highlights of high school I do I for me I think because I was really good at it. And it was Track is an interesting sport to be a part of as well because it is so individual, mm-hmm. um, which is what I liked. I liked like the independence of it. Even the, even the track meets themselves are very like, you're just sort of like on your own to like find your events. I don't, I don't okay. know if anybody else did track, but, yeah. but it, it's a really unique sport and um, I, I love the freedom of it. And then I was on newspaper I did do a few of the the plays like in the like sound booths like that kind of stuff. Um, Lights and sound booth mostly with Karen Carlson and we would just go up there and like dick around um, in the sound booth (laughs) (laughs) during during various plays and musicals. Um, But yeah, other than that. Yeah, once I hit probably like mid junior year or in senior year, like I was so checked out. Like, I was just kind of like ambitionless when it came to anything that involved school. I just wanted out. I wouldn't say I was like antisocial. A lot of it too was like some of my best friends were older than me. So a lot mm. of them moved on and moved out. So then that became kind of like I spent a lot of time like in Madison, you know, like in mm-hmm. my like senior year, you know, just because like I didn't, I don't know, I was like, eh, whatever, this is dumb. <laughs> Um, I never got a yearbook all four years, and I don't even think that I ever took a senior picture. Um, hmm. I don't think I was, like, involved in any of that. Like, it it was literally, like, I literally had, like, a conscious decision, like, this is something I never want to remember. <laughs> wow. And I don't. You know? Wow. And I don't. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah. Like, because I don't remember, and I don't care. And, it, and none of that did matter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, I feel the same. I, none of it really matters and I don't have nostalgia for it and I don't care. And, um, yeah, I mean like my greatest, my greatest high school memory is my graduation. I was super, super messed up on LSD and I had to give a speech. Oh, wow. Um, and I did, I have no REM memory of it. Wow. But um apparently I did fine.
0: You're like Ethan Embry in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was Yeah, I, I mean I
0: there there I've seen pictures of me
1: like with my sunglasses on. Apparently I didn't take my sunglasses off. <laughs> um and I gave a speech. I have no idea what I said.
0: Aren't we all lucky that like internet smartphones was not a thing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every day, every day I'm so <laughs> glad
3: that that is not like my, like, internet life started at, like, 25, and I'm so yeah. glad
0: of that. <laughs> I, I really would love to see Sybil's graduation speech. She doesn't remember, but we will never know. I have no.
1: I have no memory of. Yeah, I have yeah. zero memory of that almost an entire day. Yeah, because I, I was so high. Oh, my God.
0: Well, we had very, okay, we had very different yeah. high school experience. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna lay out yeah. I was like, um, I did not party in high school, except for like my dorky parties that I had at my house, right? Like, which, which I was at, which yeah, I was they were, at. They were fun yeah. parties, right? And Serena was we're at the, the later best. ones that were pretty much exactly the same. So except with more dancing. Yeah. I was in like all kinds of activities. I was like the year, one of the newspaper editors. And then I was uh, in on a yearbook. I w- helped do the senior pages with Jenny Wozniak. So I, because I helped do the senior pages, my quote is longer than everyone else's and it runs into the person on the bottom who like didn't put a quote in.
2: <laughs> uh, I think that's awesome. It's like, well, you're not using your space. Exactly. I mean, cool. it doesn't run
0: in, it doesn't run in too long, but, in, but you can notice it if you're looking for it. Um, And what I did forensics, I did mock trial, I did the economics team of all things. Um, Shit, like I did all kinds of French club, because you got to go on cool trips. I did like band my freshman year, but I didn't really like it. And I did volleyball my freshman year. And I freaking hated it because people would just yell at you if you made a mistake. And I I probably should have joined track like you, Serena. I think I would have liked that better. So yeah, Yeah. those those were my activities. I was like super involved in extracurriculars. I probably would have done more extracurriculars if I had had time. That's that's that was me.
2: And so, uh, yeah, me. Okay, I played tennis. My sister, who was who's older, she took up tennis and was really good at it. And I was like, yeah, man, if she can do it, I can do it. I was on JV all four years. I wasn't a very good tennis player. I didn't work very hard. I didn't play in the off season, but I had a good time. I was in theater. No big surprise. I was in the improv troupe, and I loved that. I wanted to do more, but I'm not a good enough student to do extracurriculars and keep up good grades. I kind of take forever to do my homework and like, and then I, I, I just get tired. I want to just chill at home and watch yeah. movies. So that was fine for me. Um, and hang with my friends. Like I just wanted to spend time with my friends and our parties, right. Didn't party, no drugs, no drinking, no sex, none of that. So it was either parties at Jen's house uh, like lip syncing to ABBA, or <laughs> I got involved with youth group when I was like a junior in high school. So
0: future plans. Um, while Sybil and I had oh, the same future, future plans li- living in different places, or did you decide last minute? I knew I was going to Hampshire pretty much as soon as I got the brochure. I just felt it. And I visited first.
1: Uh, my future plans were getting the hell away from my family. And uh, yeah, that's all I cared about. I picked my school out of the Baron's Guide randomly. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get into the uh, my my five colleges. I didn't get into the five colleges I originally applied for. And my I I worked for this really amazing um, teacher, and she was just like, "I'll pay for you to go to put in another application in," because I was like poor, like we were like fucking mm-hmm. poor. And she's just like, oh. you know, why don't you put in for another another college? And I'm like, like where? And she's like, just pick one that seems right to you. So I literally opened the Barron's guide, put my finger down, said Hampshire College seems great. That
0: is amazing Sybil. That is like it's pure like chance that like we met each other at this college and it and like it seemed like it was a perfect place for you like you thrived like way more there than I did. Oh yeah no Hampshire
1: was great for me because they're all about like like letting you do whatever you want. Yeah. Which is who I am.
0: Yeah those were our future plans then. I loved I never knew this that's so that's so amazing. Sophia what was your future plan when you were in senior year?
2: Oh, I went to uh, University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point for theater. Oh. And it was great. So, so Serena, how about you? What was your deal?
3: Um, you know, I don't even really remember. I think my, my plan was to get out of Wisconsin. That was yeah. like my dream was to, was to move out and move on. And I actually went into AmeriCorps right after. And then that, that sort of changed the trajectory of my life. After that, for what I did, I mean, I went back to Wisconsin and like went to school and then, but then I went to New York and then, but it was really AmeriCorps that really kind of like opened my eyes up to the possibility of, of like traveling and like other worlds really.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And okay. Here's an interesting thing. So for quotes, I looked at my senior yearbook and like most people actually didn't have quotes. There were people who had quotes, but a lot of people just had like a bunch of inside jokes um, mm-hmm. I had two quotes. I'm going to tell you what mine were. Okay. So one of them was, I'd settle for a cup of coffee, but you know what I really need from R.E.M. That's your <laughs> quote? Yeah. It's like, you all see me as a nerd, but like, A, I love that R.E.M. song to begin with, but B, I'm like, I am, I'm sexual being like, but in a very discreet, maybe it's not as discreet as I thought it was. Um, and then my second quote was, uh, there are a great many people in the country today who through no fault of their own are sane. And that was from Monty Python. So that pretty much encapsulates my um, high school years. Sophia, did you
2: have a quote? Yeah, this shouldn't be a surprise. A life lived in fear is a life half lived from Strictly Ballroom.
4: Yes, bitch. Uh, Yes.
2: And then I have um, something that I wrote in a journal. I said, I believe our kindred spirits will always find each other. And that's so Anne of Green Gables of me. Yeah. And then I have um, just the things that uh, I did throughout all four years that were important to me. God. I just like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Just to me. Just God. Just God. Uh, true friends, improv, movies, tennis, Nick, which is my younger brother and coffee at Kyle's. Kyle's top of the bean coffee shop was uh, where I worked as, as well as yep. the theater.
0: Out of yeah. the annals of your memories. So uh, S- Sybil and Serena, do you think of, can you think of any quote that you would have had or like any, person you would have bothered quoting at that time in your life?
3: Probably a velvet gold mine or something mm. <laughs> along those lines or a David Bowie or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
3: You too. I don't know. I was really like you two at the time.
1: I don't know. No, I don't have really any memories of myself. Um, I did. I worked a lot. I did a lot of extracurricular activities. I hated my life and I just
2: needed to leave. Mm. Poor Sibs. I'm hugging high school Sybil hugs.
0: Yeah, I did get bullied. And I did want to leave like Lake Geneva as a result of being kind of pigeonholed. But like, um, but yeah, I still I had really good memories of like some teachers and some of my friends, I still had like good friends, like Sophia was a good friend, for example, and Serena was later. But like, i like, mm-hmm. so I had like a, a half a, kind of a mixed thing about high school, I guess. I'm glad I still have one of my yearbooks anyway. All right, so we're going to move on, everybody. We're going to move on to the spoiler section of the episode, and we're going to break this down kind of by the individual people's stories because this movie goes all over the place. It's just cutting from interaction to interaction. So it still might be a little disorganized the way we talk about it, but we'll, we'll do our best, okay? Everyone ready for the spoiler section?
2: Let's yes.
0: do it. All right. So first we're going to go to Preston's story, Ethan Embry's character story. So we first see Preston repeatedly trying to work up the nerve to talk to Amanda. Finally, he's in a good position, like to talk to her. He's on the same couch, but there's this character called Reminiscing Guy who's kind of following him along. And like reminiscing guy's shtick is that he wants to say, Do you remember the time when? And so he starts telling um Ethan Embry a story or Preston a story. And they're always and they're always awkward stories. Right? Yeah, yeah. Always they're always awkward, awkward
1: memories. Not like like remember the time where we were awesome together? It's like, remember that time that you like shit yourself in front of everyone? <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: right. Right. But for Preston, it's like he's saying, Remember the time when you threw up in your backpack on the field trip and then you pretended it wasn't you and like he's telling the story and Amanda's sitting on the edge of the couch Preston can't see her face but she's actually kind of amused by it she's kind of laughing like in a in a way that makes you think she kind of likes him a little bit right but he right. can't see that so he's just like super embarrassed by this I really kind of like the character of reminiscing guy because I've met per- people like him
2: right who remember shit from like second grade you're like I I just don't remember or it wasn't that big of a deal to you or it was a bad memory and you don't want anyone to remember yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. right yeah
0: reminiscing guys the best anyway um so preston does not make his move once again because of this interruption Okay. So we, now we get it, we get another scene later. Preston is talking like kind of to the camera and he does this like big monologue about like what's in his letter to Amanda Beckett. Right. And like how, how she's so special to him and how he's really going to finally break, work up the nerve to like, you know, talk to her. And then he's like, what do you think? And we cut to the person he's talking to and it's the exchange student. And so the exchange student says, would you like to touch my penis? And, And Preston's just like, what? Okay. Um, then we get another scene. Preston goes to find Amanda again, but he sees Amanda's cousin making out with her, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, and he does not know that she is not into it. Like for me, that did not look like a positive makeout. Like if I were a guy in his position, I'd be like, um, I'd break in there and ask if she's okay.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think it's telling of his, uh, youth and naivety and like, stuck in kind of his own selfish world that like this is what he sees his insecurity mm-hmm. and sees, Oh, she's with some other guy. Not that jeez, she doesn't look like she's having a good time. You know what I mean? And he runs away yeah. and yeah. Um, could have been his moment to sweep in, be a hero and like save her or whatever. And no, nope. and yeah. he doesn't do that. So he runs away and he throws the letter away.
0: Yeah. He throws a letter into a trash can outside But then we hear the music, the the Smash Mouth song from the opening flashback scene, as the yearbook girl digs through the crash, the letter like falls out of the trash, and then the Smash Mouth song plays as various people drag it into the um, party on their shoes and stuff, until the letter magically lands in a snack bowl in front of Amanda, which by the way, the the snacks are totally ruined now.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, the snacks are disgusting, and this is why you can't eat at parties.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Preston is driven away from the party um, after he sees Amanda making out with the the other guy. Um, And he his one of his signs gets ruined because he hears that it's Barry Manilow's birthday. And that's why they were playing Mandy in the first place. But then the DJ says that you can call in and ask Barry Manilow questions. And so for some reason, Preston gets the idea that
2: he's going to ask Barry Manilow a question about his love life. Did that seem kind of random to anybody else? wasn't it to clear up if mandy was written about a person or a dog oh, oh you're right you're right that's you're what right. i that's
3: what thought too because to it, it did specifically say like to ask barry manilow like about his lyrics like that's what it said or about his song okay. song writing yeah that's why you were calling in. yeah
2: which by the way i googled i'm like what's the story and that's an urban legend that's a myth it's not written about the dog okay uh, that's good dog. to know
0: so now um, Preston gets to a phone booth. Hello, 1990s. Um he goes, in, he goes in and he gets through to the radio station, which, like, never happens. If you ever tried calling radio stations, you're like, you're sad for Preston when the, the lady take, cuts his call off. Because I'm like, that is impossible, right? Right. Did you ever right. try to call for tickets or anything?
1: It was, like, impossible. Yeah. You'd have, like, um, nine people trying to call at once. And, like, you hang up and just keep redialing.
0: Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so his call gets cut off, though, when a woman dressed as an angel, um, but she's also a stripper, we find out a stripper angel, um, cuts off his call, like hangs up his call so she can call a cab. And this role is played by Jenna Elfman, who would, who would be in Dharma and Greg and the rom-com Keeping the Faith. And... Um, He's Preston's really pissed at her, but after the phone call, they have like a little interaction with each other. And she tells him about uh, a time that she had a crush on someone because he, Preston's revealed to her that he needed to like get through to this person. He's desperate. So she tells him a little story about her own uh, crush on someone. So I'm going to play that right now.
5: Scott Bale. I said I was 16. I mean, this went back to the happy days years, you know, not to mention Joni loves Chachi. God, I hated her. Joni. See, I always knew that somehow I'd meet him. You know, like, if I wanted it bad enough, I could make it happen. And it did. Right after his first season of Charles in Charge, he was doing this mall tour, and he came here to our mall. It was like everything was finally falling into place. You know, like it was, um... Fate. Yeah. So I went, you know, I had this red bandana, because you know how Chachi always wore that red bandana. <sighs> and I waited there outside. And I was the first person when he pulled up, he got out of that car. <laughs> was so beautiful. And he looked right at me. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't even move. Never even talked to him, and he was right
4: there.
5: I still have that red bandana. But the thing is, you never know. You know, like, had I at least maybe said something, you never know. But anyway, the point is, I totally realized you no know, fate. There is fate, but it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. You are so definitely right. I know. So look, don't you make the same mistake I did, okay? Because if you really want to be with him, then you get back on that phone and you call Barry Manilow and you tell him how you feel. No, oh no, I didn't want him. I was, it's okay. I don't think it's weird. I mean, come on. Scott Bayo. We all have our things.
0: Yeah. yeah. I heard you I heard you guys trying not to laugh during that one. <laughs> so,
2: I mean, when I first saw the film, I'm like, okay, the part just kind of like took forever and I'm like, get on with it. I wanted to get back to the love story stuff. But watching it now, I'm like, that is freaking hilarious. And the part where she like, starts to cry she's like oh, god the car is so beautiful like you can get like goofy about these moments you know what i mean and become overwhelmed and and anyway i just thought that was great and i used to i loved scott Bayo and i love charles in charge but he's a weirdo so anyway no more charles no more scott Bayo.
0: I know nothing about Scott <laughs> Bale, but I mean this scene really did work for me a lot better. Um, yeah, on a rewatch. And I think it's um partly because of her great line about like fake can only get you so far because mm-hmm. it's totally true. You have to show up and, and do things. It's yeah. the
2: thesis of the film. You know what I mean? I think that's she's there to deliver the thesis of the film.
1: I it's my one of my it's like the part that I really liked when I was watching it. I was like, I like this section, but it's more of an adult section too, right? So it was like right. deep thoughts, an adult having a conversation about looking back on their past,
0: yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Sybil, so, well, how do you feel about your friend Barry Manilow being included in the film?
1: Listen, you know I have a deep, deep love for Barry. I think that it's an it's like a fun use of Barry Manilow. Like it's interesting. You can never have too much Barry
2: Manilow in your life. I agree with that. He writes the songs. <laughs> That's right, the
4: songs. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And when Preston leaves this interaction with the angel, he has renewed energy to go and talk to Amanda. And this is signified by the Barry Manilow song playing on the radio, ready to take a chance again.
2: (laughs) Perfect. It's perfect.
0: And okay. So back at the party, he does, Preston does take a chance again and we'll find out more about how that goes when we do Amanda's story, which is right up next here. Okay. So Amanda's story, we already talked about her arrival at the party. Um, Everyone's surprised to see her there. And the other jocks, Mike Dexter's friends, girlfriends, take her aside. And they have this whole scene where they tell her that she's like Gwyneth Paltrow and Mike is no Brad Pitt. And this is in response to Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Pitt were together from 1994 to 1997. And they probably had just broken up around the time they were shooting this. Um, That is a time capsule. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It bugs me that apparently, like, she's been hanging with these girls for four years. But, like, in this scene, she, like, is repulsed by them. And, like, you see no depth of friendship or affection or love. And I'm like, I don't know. It, it, it didn't seem believable to me that they, like, and they don't care for her either, really. You know, it's so very that bizarre. Of,
0: that kind of harkens back a little bit to Heather's, like, in a way. I think, too, there's a line of something like, they're not really my friends, they're just people I do popular shit with or something that's like a business. I can't remember what the exact line is, but it's something like that. I wonder if it's similar to that vibe.:
1: Well, also it's, so it's very much like that thing where like she is only a person in re- retrospect to the people she's around, right? Otherwise, she's not she doesn't have her own like life or personality. I actually don't think that the female characters in this movie were as developed as they should be, in my opinion, but right. I understand like, her character in this way. Because we we've all known, especially popular people, you have like you do have a a kind of popular person who falls into popularity and is only popular because of the she's pretty and then the people that she's around.
4: Hmm.
0: Okay, so Amanda's (laughs) taken aside by her cousin Ron. She tells him why she kept dating Mike. So she gives a little speech about like how she had not been popular at her school before, then she came to the high school, Mike noticed her, and she really liked that she was popular now and that people cared about her. And that's yeah. why she ended up staying with him. And she does feel kind of lost and directionless and, and all that. And then just when she's starting to kind of cheer up because um, Ron's paying attention to her, he abruptly lunges at her and starts making out with her. And she is not into this. And apparently he's like her second cousin by marriage, but still, dude. Like, what the fuck? Yeah.
2: yeah. Especially if that's how he broached. He's like, hey, why don't you tell me? You know, like, we're family. Ew. Ew. Sleaze bag. the egg factor is high
0: yeah cousin ron's one of the least appealing characters in the whole movie for sure yeah. yeah but he has the perfect shirt on for that character let me tell you
2: yeah kind of a shiny silver thing yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i could smell the cologne like without <laughs> yes <laughs> the- yes dakar is he wearing dakar i don't know i don't know <laughs> what the name but I remember that cologne. Yes.
1: I'm pretty sure it was what was it What haunts my
2: 90s memories. Is That's, hilarious. That's hilarious. Nice.
0: Okay. So um, after this, she, after Amanda gets out of this unfortunate interaction, um, she finds Preston's letter in that snack bowl um, and she reads it and she's really into it, but she doesn't know who he is. So she begins, she doesn't know what the name, who the name Preston refers to. So she begins asking people about him. Okay, and then um, she asks then some stoners about Preston and she gets a ri- ridiculous answer. Um, Jason Siegel is in this scene. He's not the one who's talking to more though. I'm sorry I didn't write down the name of the other actor. He's got this like really curly blonde hair, but um, this is her interaction with these like stoned drunk dudes about who Preston is.
5: Preston? I don't know. Well, his hair is kind of, I don't know, brown. No, it's not really brown. Oh, he's tall. Yeah. He's kind of, kind of tall, sort of tall, and he's like always wearing like t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's sort of tall. Kinda. With hair. Yeah.
3: And he wears t-shirts sometimes.
5: Yeah. Yes.
3: That's it.
5: Yes. Well, I mean, he's Preston. It's Preston. You know, Preston. I like that guy. Preston.
0: I don't know. I get a kick out of the scene. Not as much for you guys. Yeah. No. no. It's
3: actually one of my favorite scenes. I love this scene. I think this scene is so funny. And I think that, like, I've I quote it like all the time in my head. Like, I always think, I always think, like, really? and he wears t-shirts sometimes. <laughs> 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 I always say that to myself. I don't know why, but I do love the scene. Yes
0: yeah it's just like the incredulity at this like vague description, like <laughs> so he has hair, <laughs> like, yeah. and then he's like Pre stone, and I'm like, that is exactly how people interact with each other in high school and and early like twenties too, like making up little names or inflections for people. yes, yeah, and I now
1: like- miss the fact that he is a watermelon guy and doesn't get to talk about his epic watermelon.
0: Yeah, Jason Siegel's watermelon. He you just see him with like one of the pieces of watermelon in that scene. I did hear something in the commentary, which I wasn't able to double confirm, but one of the commentaries I read said that um Jason Siegel had carved like women's anatomy into that yeah. uh, watermelon piece and that he was licking it.
2: Yeah, didn't you know? Like I couldn't he watch it a second time it. Yeah. because it was like he was totally like molesting the watermelon. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Rose.
0: Jason Segel's maybe the most famous person out of this movie now, because like, he went yeah. on to Freaks and Geeks and Forgetting Sarah Marshall and How I Met Your Mother and tons of other movies.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, anyway, I think
0: he might be the biggest star out of this whole movie at this point. I don't know. Hmm. I would say, yeah, I would. And now we get to a big scene where Amanda, um, Mike approaches Amanda to try to get her back and we're going to play another clip. I'm sorry, guys. We're going to have two in a row. Okay. Amanda is going to say no. So let's hear that.
4: Amanda! <laughs> Amanda! Amanda.
5: Oh, oh, God, Mike, get off. What, can I hug my girl if I want? I am not your girl, and you're obviously drunk, so...
4: No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Um, we need to talk.
5: About what? Us. There is no us. No, but there is, see, because, um, I've been thinking, doing uh, a lot of thinking, and I I think, uh, I, I think, um,
4: I think we should get back together. Why?
5: What? Why? Give me one good reason why. No, you know what? Screw that. <laughs> no, Mike, my answer is no.
4: No? You mean you don't want
5: me to take you back? Cause I'm I'm serious about this, Amanda. You should really think about this. Think about what, Mike? That you're a childish, self-centered asshole?
4: Oh. Oh. Okay.
5: Mike, take me back,
2: please.
4: <laughs>
5: Look, you're drunk, okay? And we're over, so why don't you just walk away now and save yourself
4: the embarrassment. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, you're the one! Amanda is gonna be embarrassed.
5: <laughs> Who's gonna want you now? Somebody. right I'm gonna
0: cut the clip off now. Um I hate the one thing I don't like about this, like she's giving this great big speech and she's like really like um finally standing up for herself, but then like it it has her say somebody's gonna want me. And it's like what about like it doesn't matter? You know what I mean? I'm better off on my own. But instead it's like it's she's holding Preston's letter and being like, somebody.
2: Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the female characters were particularly written well. But, you know, it is, I guess, I don't know, the time.
1: It is the time that they were, um, <laughs> you know, but I do I mean, I think I've known chicks that are kind of like this, right, where they're only is they're just usually not as super popular. Right. But they're like they're only a ref, they're only the person reflected by the people around
2: them. And not noticing at the time, but like all I wanted was for Amanda and Preston to get together. So mm-hmm. you know, it was like that was still a little more bait of like this anticipation of this love story that yeah. that was all yeah. I cared about, you know,
0: yeah, um, it does remind me too of a scene in some kind of wonderful that was similar scene that we have with like uh, also mm-hmm. Amanda and um mm-hmm. and, and and an ex of her and a boyfriend of hers. So yeah, interesting. But after she rejects Mike, a bunch of guys start to hit on Amanda and like the reminiscing guy comes up and says, remember the dance we danced to? And then he tells her he had a boner. I'm like, oh, charming dude. Ew, gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like all these dudes are really trying to like, like have sex with her essentially. And so by the time Preston gets there and shouts at her, I love you, which by the way, would it not be my opening line if I was trying right. to, Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, yeah, when once Preston gets to her, she is like prepared to like go off. And she does. She goes off on Preston. Preston's pretty demoralized by that. But then later on, uh, Amanda finally figures out who Preston is when yearbook girl gives her the yearbook to sign and she decides to look for Preston. And she's like, oh, shit, I just told off the guy who wrote the nice letter to me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's Amanda's story in a nutshell until we get to the end. So, um, now we're going on to Mike Dexter's story played by Peter Faccinelli, who I, he looked familiar. And then I realized he's Carlisle in Twilight.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: 100%. <laughs> it's like weird. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, Mike Dexter's story. So it's kind of a thin story, but like, basically he gets all his friends to agree that they're going to break up with their girlfriends while, while they're at the diner. Right. Um, Cause Mike Dexter's kind of like the head jock and they're the other like kind of sub jocks, I guess. Um, at the party, then he runs into these friends and they are all making up with their girlfriends and they can't, they decide they're not going to break up with them for various reasons.
1: This seems like a completely normal thing in the sense that, like, like, a head, like, Alpha is like, we're going to do this stuff. And the friends are like, yeah, of course. And then they're like, oh, but no, we don't, we're not going to do that because sex and you no. Know.
2: <laughs> and tickets to Pearl Jam. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Tickets to Pearl Jam important.
0: Yeah, like two of the guys, like that he finds grinding with their girlfriends are like, we got tickets to Pearl Jam, and like we can't break up with them until then. And then he asks, like, when are the tickets for? And it's like August. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like way more into Freddie Rodriguez's performance. Like, um, the guy went on to go into Six Feet Under. Like the like he's talking about. There's mirrors on the ceiling of his girlfriend's uh parents room and, and they're going to be away. And he's like making all these gestures like how he's going to be when they're having sex. And it was just like so over the top and cheesy and funny, I thought.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: So he fails to get his girl, the guys to break up with their girlfriends. Um, So then Mike goes to hit on some girls. And one of the ones he sits down next to is Selma Blair, who's going to go on to be in like Cruel Intentions and Legally Blonde. She and the other girl, though, reject Mike because in the past he called them skanky. I do remember skank and skanky was, a.
3: I feel like, way more used in the 90s than it currently mm-hmm. is. But it was very, like, nostalgic or something to be like, oh, right, yes, skank. <laughs> yes, people were called skanks, very openly. Very
0: <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so after he's failed to, like, hit on some women, Trip McNeely is, like, the older guy who's come back for the high school party um like he's not super old he's not like matthew mcconaughey and dazed and confused old but he's like the um popular senior guy or the popular guy who went to college and he's coming back and he's played by jerry o'connell who was already um pretty famous at that famous enough at that time he'd already been in jerry mcguire and scream 2 right so he comes in and um he's basically talking to mike dexter and mike dexter's like i bet you're doing really well in college and then um, Trip McNeely tells him like really sad stories about how it's it's hard to get women in college and like they all want older guys and like you know you should stick with your girlfriend. So it's just like a kind of sad conversation for for
2: Mike. Sad, but but Guzzy, like I I feel like I recall and there was definitely a sense of like you know those those type of people who went to college but then kept coming back to high school stuff like on the weekends and whatever and it's oh, like 100 move, 100%, on, move on.
3: one yes 100 yeah. i they, totally ooh. i totally
2: remember there were some of those
3: people or they had like a younger girlfriend that they would come okay. back to and like hang okay. out with i totally remember that and it being weird yeah. like okay
2: you're uh, a little weird Like, I'm talking to those popular people who are like, I'm going to go on and continue to be a star. And then they get out of high school and they're like, oh, I'm nothing really significant now. You know what I mean? And that's where I feel like Trip McNeely showing up at this (laughs) high school graduation party, maybe he's a freshman or sophomore in college. And this like how's it going in college it's all about women he's t- mike is talking about women it's not like how you are you still the captain of the football like it's not about success in any kind of way mm-hmm. it's about you know screwing women i don't think it's always creepy when someone's dating no someone not always creepy um but, but i but Treat mcneely is creepy treat mcneely right. is
0: trying to like get with some woman at the party just any random high school girl basically yeah it right. seems like so we already did the scene where mike tries to get amanda back at the end of this, uh another like fun homophobic sort of moment, um, and fun in quotation marks, somebody shouts the F slur at Mike, which is like was super common in the ni- in the nineties and eighties, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't
1: think you can do an 80s or 90s movies
2: without like it just it just
1: doesn't and you have to say it just like that, right?
2: Right. So like that was the worst thing to be called. That's Good right. Grief. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It is a way of signifying that this is his ultimate loss, though, because this is the word that he would use against other people, and now it's being right. used against him, right? So yeah. it's like a sh- way of showing his total reversal of fortune, basically. Okay, and after he's humiliated, um, he goes into a room, and Will starts talking and drinking with him. Will, who is already totally drunk. And now we're going to get into Will's story. So, William Lichner, Charlie Cosmo's story. So... He, his plan is he's going to go to the party, fit in with everybody, and eventually lure Mike Dexter out to the garage. we gonna where they're gonna chloroform him and do that whole thing where his friend and him look like they're gay. Again, they're kind of obsessed with this in that in this movie. This is kind of absurd to me. Like I was never this naive. Okay, so William and his friends think that he's going to have to drink at the party, or he or people are going to hate him or throw him out. I was a nerd. I never thought that if I went to a party, I would have to drink. Like, what do you
4: think? No. So- yeah. No. That's
2: ridiculous they're go- they'll kick you I out mean, you if you're not drinking you can always just hold a cup right
4: but you
0: don't even have to hold a cup you could just like have a soda right like nobody cares like nobody cares yeah, nobody if you're care,
1: drinking but, like, if, you should have like you don't have to drink beer or something, but like you know you hold a cup dude hold it he's trying to fit in right he's just trying to fit in
2: right so yeah if
1: you're trying to fit in just hold a cup
3: I think they're just showing how disconnected they are from the rest of like the high school population. That, that's yeah. what I think they're implying there.
0: I'm, but I'm just I'm saying like as a person who was a nerd, like I like I was not that disconnected that I would have believed this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like they never really portray many female nerds, and like when they do portray nerds in movies, it's always super exaggerated. I'm just like yeah. I guess everyone's exaggerated, but like yeah, this this being my subculture, I'm like, mm, would they do that? <laughs> So William has this little chart with him that tells him how much he can drink before getting drunk, allegedly. Um, he has his first
2: taste of beer, and he says... The beer has gone bad. Oh, my God. I love that part. He spits it out on everybody, and he's gagging. He's like, don't drink it. It's gone bad. And I laugh my ass off because I don't like beer. I've tried a million beers. I've tried beer in Europe, like Germany, and I'm not a beer drinker because I think it tastes like piss. And that moment right there hits it on the head. It's gone very funny to me
1: i laughed hysterically that part
2: okay so
0: ever since everything's cutting back and forth all the time the next time we see william at the party he is drunk he has forgotten his mission uh he's with a bunch of girls and he's doing like shots maybe tequila i don't know Yeah, yeah and then he goes i can't feel my legs and then he's like i can't feel my legs and he's jumping up in town and everybody's excited everybody's excited that he can't feel his legs yeah yeah Okay, then there's this speech he gives to the the, the stoner guy who says "press stone later," um, and it's like, and apparently Charlie Cosmo improvised this one. So he goes, "Look at the stars. Now, some people they say the stars are billions and billions and tons and tons of hot gas, but I think maybe, maybe it's just God's salt, and God's just waiting to eat us."
2: I <laughs> think that's really funny too. <laughs>
1: That is something you would say was really, really high.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking he got stoned also, not
2: just drunk at this point. Yeah. One of those cut out parts that we yeah that we couldn't know know about.
0: I mean, I don't I haven't seen a lot of drinkers talking about God's salt, but that is really in line with a stoner right there. Yeah. Okay, and then my favorite, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, actually, Um, he's hanging out with the stoners when he hears Paradise City uh, by Guns N' Roses playing. He says he remembers this song, and he jumps up onto the stage that's been abandoned by Love Burger, and he starts singing and dancing to Paradise City, and they didn't even give him choreography, Charlie Cosmo just fucking did that, and I think it's amazing, it's like one of my favorite scenes, I love the song Paradise City,
2: Everything is good. And everyone starts like cheering for him and like all the girls are like, he's so great and amazing. And yeah, he's now got fans. And yeah, it's a fantastic scene. I do like this scene. I do think it's
3: funny. I feel like I've been to parties like this where like stuff like this happens.
0: And originally the song they wanted for this was Panama by Van Halen. I'm really glad they couldn't get the rights to it because it wouldn't be as good as like Panama, Panama. uh." But it's like, no, it's not a paradise city.
3: Yeah, and who knows that song? I don't know that song, but everyone knows Paradise City.
0: Yeah, I think maybe at the time, people still knew Panama, but like um, I still know it, because I watched a lot of MTV in the early 80s, but Paradise City has definitely had the staying power of the two songs. Okay, and so after Mike gets humiliated, as we said, uh, Will hangs out with him, and they're kind of like buddy-buddy all of a sudden. Um, Mike apologizes to Will for tripping him at graduation, which in his mind is a long time ago. Um, And yeah, they're just kind of commiserating together because they're super drunk. And then the party gets busted by the cops. And Will is trying to lead Mike out of the party. He thinks he's trying to help him by taking him to the pool house. He's totally forgotten that his X-Files friends are waiting on the roof. Um, the friends can't see him because they are lost their flashlight. And so Mike and Will get arranged in the whole, like, uh, pre- they are supposed to be lovers thing and it's supposed to be embarrassing thing and left there i do like the scene where
3: it does get busted i was at a high school party i think just one where it got busted by really? cops and they yeah and they rounded us all up it was actually a party with aaron and it was one of the like bigfoot parties oh no and way it was it was crazy because the like what happens in the movie is actually what happens in real life like <laughs> kids
2: everyone kids starts like, running
3: yeah kids were like jumping out windows and like, <laughs> and like hiding in closets and I remember like we were hiding in a closet and then they just like rounded everybody up and like breathalyzed everybody like it was crazy yep. and it Whoa. was funny because I, I, I wasn't drinking at the time. Which like thank yeah. God for whatever reason, and then I think I was smoking though. Which <laughs> is, but they didn't they didn't care about that. They were just breathalyzing everyone, and it was so funny because Aaron had like just started drinking, and he ended up getting like an underage ticket, and oh no, the parents had to come and pick up their kids. But the ones that didn't that just passed could just go. So then wow. we were just like watching yeah. this like from like from the road just like watching everyone else just like I don't know it it is so funny but like that does actually those are like real things that like happen at least maybe in like Midwest parties I don't know but like kids just get crazy and just start
0: (laughs) freaking out that's amazing so yeah so we're gonna move on now to my this is my favorite story of the of the stories I don't know how y'all feel about it. me too high five
2: Okay. Okay.
0: And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of it's probably Lauren Ambrose because like she is such a good actress and like, she was the one I related to most out of the characters too. Mm. Even even though I wasn't like a non-joiner, but like she was smart, you know, yeah, and and grounded and so forth. Anyway. So this is Denise and Kenny's story, Lauren Ambrose and Seth Green's story. So first we see Kenny, he's trying to pick up various girls at the party. I love Clea Duvall going, I'm allergic.
1: Yeah. That's, that's just (laughs) magic.
0: I need to start using that. Then we move on. Kenny is like sitting around and he overhears um, a character who's called in the credits, ready to have sex girl um, played (laughs) by Nicole Bilderbach. She's telling a friend that she wants to have sex with the first guy who talks to her because she wants to get even with her boyfriend who she believes cheated on her. And like, he kind of falls backward out of his chair then and goes up and like, is trying to like uh, proposition her, tell her she's so beautiful. And like, no, he gives her the worst he gives her
1: the worst pickup lines. Like, he's like, you're an angel to fill from heaven, that kind of crap. And you're just yeah. like, listen, listen, all you have to do is be like, hey, you're pretty. And she's like, okay, well, I guess we're doing it now.
2: Well, I mean, that's the character we're supposed to
0: think this guy that's is unbearably, exactly. che- unbearably cheesy and performative, basically. Yeah.
2: He says, uh, you know, let's go out to the pool house or whatever. She's like, okay. So she's going to go with him. Uh, but he's like, but first, wait a minute, because he needs to go to the bathroom and like, check in with his like little love kit yeah mm-hmm. so the love kit we didn't really talk about it but it's got all kinds of like weird shit in it like he's
0: got like a candle and like he's a- got two candles he's got two candles because and they're
2: huge candles and they're
0: pink <laughs> yeah and he's got a copy of the kama sutra he's I what else was in there like a, a bunch of lube, like, he has a bunch lube, of lube.
2: uh edible his, stuff i think some feather uh, yeah, thing, and, underwear like, like condoms, three dozen yeah. condoms like just <laughs> yeah no, this backpack is ridiculous
1: you just look and you're like dude you're not like you don't need any of this crap even if you like don't know how to have sex
0: well you, you need, need the condom you need yeah, the condom you need the condom
2: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right so he's trying to get to the bathroom to like i don't know refer to the to the to the manual and uh but there's a huge line he can't get in. And so he goes to girl whose party it is to like go to a different bathroom. And he gives up information about like somebody had defaced her family photo. Or oh, he picture. makes it up though. He <laughs> makes, makes up the he information. Makes it up. He, he makes it up. It he makes it up it. in exchange to be allowed to go upstairs. And as she calls out that the bathroom door is broken. So don't close it all the way. Meanwhile, Denise is just trying to sit, you know, sit someplace and but she gets hit in the face by a rejected pot brownie but okay so the brownie hits her hair sorry continuity when she gets up she runs upstairs to the bathroom and it's on her face it's like come on now that was that was a big continuity i didn't even notice
0: it i didn't notice it i don't know i'm so used to i think people getting cleaned off in
2: movies magically that i didn't notice it that's funny (laughs) well she gets up to the bathroom and she turns around and she sees Kenny getting ready. quote unquote. (laughs) Yeah. She
0: sees him getting ready. Like he's trying to like do Kama Sutra positions by posing like one leg on the sink and one
2: leg on the bathtub and crap like this. So she sees him, she screams, he screams and she slams the door shut and he's like, no, don't do that. Cause now they're locked in and they look at each other and start banging on the door to like somebody help us get out, but they're stuck. Um, oh, and
0: in the original movie, apparently the the drunk girl that nobody the crying drunk girl nobody could understand says that she thinks she hears somebody screaming upstairs, but nobody could understand her.
2: <laughs> that's funny. Oh man, that's funny. Come on, director. I miss the 25th girl. I anniversary. Miss Put it out. Put it yeah, out.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. As their scene, Kenny and Denise's scene progresses, they talk about their past and how they used to hang out in grade school, but then Kenny stopped hanging out with Denise because he wanted to be cool.
0: Yeah. I like, Um, I like all the little kind of stories they tell about their sleepovers and stuff. I think it really builds the story up more. Do you think that it helped him not hang out with her anymore? Be cool? Do, you, do, we, do we think he's cool? No. <laughs> no. No. Bad, okay. bad choice. But, but he's bad one choice. of those people. He's one of those. There are those people in high school, though, who think that they're cool by hanging on to the popular people. I saw a lot of people like that. They sucked up to the popular people. They shit on people who they used to be friends with or like who they perceived as uncool. And like they weren't really cool they didn't really gain much by it, but they, they were so afraid of being uncool. They were so afraid of being the bottom level. You know what I mean?
2: They just knew I wasn't like a, one of those kids and they just didn't care. Like whatever, man, it never, it, it, wow. <laughs> to me, I'm like, have, have some friends, just get some friends. I don't know. So we cut away from them for a while to see other parts of the party. Uh, and when we get back, to denise and kenny they're sitting um next to each other on the bathroom floor singing the right stuff by new kids on the block and (laughs) uh
0: oh 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 oh, 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 the right stuff right
2: stuff just for our younger Um, listeners i felt like i had to put that in sorry
1: but such a such a slice of that time period very much
2: so um and so they they start commenting on each other's bad fashion, like, what's happened to you? And uh, Kenny takes off his goggles, and they both take off their shoes, and Kenny kisses Denise, kind of out of the blue. And she's surprised. And here's what I like in this shot. You see she's in focus, and Kenny's in the foreground a little out of focus, but you can see Seth Green, like, here's where I think he's a good actor and where I really enjoy him in this. Like you kind of like, you can see like he's cringed and he's like, that was a bad idea. I effed up, but uh, she kisses him back and la la la. And so, and la la la. (laughs) And la la la. No. And dot, 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 dot tunnel. And then
1: they they probably had sex.
2: So they they, totally have sex. And then the aftermath is a little awkward. And Kenny starts up his, his like, facade again
0: yeah yeah like it's clear that like denise hasn't enjoyed it that much and like um so he's really insecure and so he just starts like making it her problem and using his voice again and the whole the front that he puts on yeah which like you gotta Uh, be you gotta be nicer to guys after you've had sex with them i'm sorry like i mean even if it's bad just like it's his first time just be like a little uh, that's my feeling i did feel like Denise was a little harsh
2: there but yeah yeah
1: but that's like listen she has almost no character development but in a denise land that is denise because she's because she's vulnerable and feels awkward so therefore she's just gonna watch out i guess so they're both
2: that type yeah you're right okay yeah i i love their whole leading up to them before that like they're there's a shot like they're laying down or whatever and i think seth green's like vulnerability and sweetness is just adorable and charming and i which makes me like endear to their story yeah
0: yeah i feel their closeness i think they did a good job portraying people who used to be friends or estranged mm-hmm. but they have like a natural rapport with each other mm-hmm. and now they just had
1: really bad awkward sex <laughs> and really
0: bad awkward sex yep but but you know sometimes it's awkward at first and it gets better so you never know okay so like other randoms anyone else about kenny and denise or shall we move on to closing out the party Closing out the party. All right, so just like some other random stuff at the party. So Kenny's friends downstairs approach a group of Black students and say, what's up? My N-word to them. And they are chased off because they should be. We we already talked about the cops coming to break. Did anyone else? Sorry, did somebody have something to say? Because I heard a breath.
2: Me. I was just saying, like, the cops finally arrive, actually. Like, I feel in real life, cops would have been called way sooner because we get a time reference when... Preston is with the angel. They're like, it's two a.m. and what are do oh, you doing? Oh yeah, do you, you know, yada yada. So I'm figuring now it's maybe three a.m. Yeah. the timeline.
1: It's like yeah, those cops got called at like two, at like one thirty, two o'clock. No problem. Like nobody's putting up with that shit later than that. Yeah.
2: Twelve, even eleven. Yeah. Yeah. My dad yeah. would have been on the horn at ten thirty. <laughs> you know, like, there's some little shits next door, disturbing the peace.
0: Okay, so I love this bit. The klepto kid steals a police car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brilliant!
0: I would like to see Brilliant. his spinoff movie. Yes, I would watch yes. the spinoff movie in, in a heartbeat. Klepto Kid, but when, who would the other characters in the Klepto Kid's movie be? though know? um, a whole
1: new character set. Like he doesn't like yeah. any of these people. Okay, Maybe, yeah. And,
0: and what I wanted kick back, the kickback, call the callback to be, is
1: he's wearing the burger shirt. <laughs> Love he's wearing, burger. Oh yes, <laughs> he's wearing a yes. burger.
2: I think it should be the whole thing, just from his perspective, his POV. That's oh what
0: my god, I watched that too. I like it. I love it. Okay, and Mike and Will are discovered by the cops, and the girl whose party it is finds Kenny and Denise and yells at them, um, and they run off. And so now we have the aftermath of the party. Um, Will and Mike both end up in jail, but Mike tells the cops that he made Will drink to cover for him.
2: I don't know why Mike would do this. Do you guys think he would do this? No. I don't know. I feel like I knew some... You know, they they're just put on this Persona of like just this jackass, this dick. But you could get when they were alone, somehow you got them alone and they were like decent. So I will say that's true. I mean, I say that about my cat all the time. I say he's a
1: bro cat, where like when he's around people and other cats, he's like, fuck you. And he's like, uh, he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. Then he'll he'll, like come Mm -hmm. and secret secret snuggle with you at night and be like, all Mm -hmm. sweet right so like mm-hmm. it's like yeah. when you're, like you meet a girl and she's you're like he's such an asshole and she's like but when he's with me he's a whole different person and you're like is he though and you're like no he is he's a different mm-hmm. person also he would get away with drinking like he's he's a he's a you know town hero mm-hmm. so he'll be like he could be like i stole a car and fucked up some bitches and they'd be like okay bye right Mm -hmm. so he could take the hit no problem where you know will really can't. you
2: know what look at it from this perspective he's not covering for will he's yeah protecting himself he's like i beat him up and i made him drink and you know i like part of his like ruse like he can't be like i got dumped i got drunk and i was by these geeks who you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. he can't say that he got bested Mm -hmm. i like that too it's
0: a good point i like it Either way, you're, you're fine. Okay, so then we go, Preston and Amanda are both kind of moping around in their separate worlds, uh, thinking they missed their chance. Um, then we see Kenny apologizes to Denise um, for kind of being a dick after they had sex. And then they kiss, which they pull away from that kiss. I don't really understand why, because I didn't think they had bad chemistry, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Then in front of the diner, Denise and Preston tell each other what happened. Preston still thinks he lost out with Amanda, but he totally makes fun of Denise for hooking up with Kenny. yep um in the diner also will tries to thank mike for covering for him but mike treats him poorly in front of his friends and then i love this your book girl and reminiscing guy are together now and they're holding hands at a table because of their shared interest in preserving memories
2: (laughs) perfect perfect they're meant for each other
0: Okay and then um, Denise and Kenny sit together and then we get one of those like postscript things on the bottom of the screen and it says like something like they break up five minutes later but then they get find a bathroom and get back together. I could totally see them being one of those couples that's always like getting back together and breaking up.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But I don't see any like longevity there.
3: Like there's no there's there's no way.
0: He would have to drop his shtick I feel like
1: he will in college. He'll like, he'll like find himself. He'll become, he'll become like a true person instead of like whatever the hell he's doing right now.
0: It's also Mm -hmm. interesting that it says he's going to UCLA in his opening scroll. Right. So you have to be kind of smart to go to UCLA. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. He must have some brains. Right. So like, yeah. Yeah. So then we see um Mike's postscript basically says he fails at life. Long story short. And Will Mm -hmm. says that he is a huge success. I've always kind of like, okay. Like, Every movie will always say that the nerd goes on to be super successful. makes a lot of money and dates a supermodel, blah, blah, blah. Because if you're Mm -hmm. a guy, you get rewarded with a hot woman always, right? Um, Right. But like, it always like when I became, when I grew up and I was a nerd in high school and then I didn't become a super success, it always kind of bothered me. I'm like, it's not really what happens to every nerd. (laughs) 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 Sometimes you're a nerd and you know, you have a pretty good life, but you're not like, you know, Bill Gates or something, right? Right, right
1: um also mike probably just owns some car dealerships and makes pretty good money and has a wife and kids
0: exactly right yeah exactly he's probably doing fine he probably still lives in the same town and like has a pretty normal life but like yeah whatever Mm -hmm. all right so now we're gonna get on to preston and amanda's um ending so actually to me the movie felt over already because i didn't really care that much about preston and amanda am i the only one
2: right i 100
0: percent did not care about them
1: like and that is where I find one of the biggest weaknesses of this film is, is that I'm supposed to care about two people who are are like, like the stars. I put that in quotes. Who like right. I'm like, you could yank them out, and I don't care.
2: Yeah, back in the day, I waited for this and loved this little ending in this relationship. Now, at, no, I started to ship uh, Denise and Preston when they're at his car, like saying goodbye and i'm like what the the fuck why aren't these two together like for sure and then
3: yeah and then he like asked her to make out with him and i think that's the cutest scene ever when he's like will you make out with me i
2: don't know i thought all that was a little lame i didn't like that bit i'm
0: like wait wait weird
2: preston asked preston asked
0: denise to make out with him did i totally miss this it was a joke right at the end when they're at
2: his car and and what happens? So, uh, he's you know lamenting that it didn't work out with Amanda, and he's like, would have been fun to make out with her. And then he looks to Denise and goes, Would you make out with me? And she's like, Shut up! Like it was, it's it's a stupid line, oh. and I think it makes them i don't like that i wish they hadn't put that in. i
3: love it like that interaction to me is shows like way more chemistry than anything between him and amanda because i do think when you're in a relationship with someone right. like you do joke around and kid around and have to have like a sense of humor about things
2: no, yeah, it's just like, the way they like care about each other Cheapers creepers it's like kids open your eyes So So one of the things I have trouble with as well with
1: like the Amanda, the Amanda Preston thing is Amanda's not a real person, right? But She has like nothing. Like she's not fleshed out. You don't care. And she's not even a real person to Preston. Like She's Mm -hmm. just this like dream person. Mm -hmm. So let's say that they do get together. He's like, Oh my God, you're so vapid. I know nothing about you and I don't care.
4: I don't Mm. think
0: she's actually vapid. I think she just like, hasn't like, the jewel quote kind of gives a sense that she has like deep thoughts that maybe she keeps to herself. So I think she could actually be quite an interesting person, but she hasn't really allowed herself to express those thoughts to other people. So I think there is an implied depth there, but it's certainly
2: like you have to read into it to
0: see it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I think they should. I mean, fine. It's for the film. They get together, they kiss it's yay. But in real life, I think she should go to college and, figure some stuff out go have some fun meet real friends and you know study things you're interested in
0: so the scene is basically amanda finds preston at the train station she shows him that she's read his letter he's like shocked he has this like big eyes about it um they start talking like he says he's going to a kurt vonnegut workshop and he's just gonna be i don't know is he gonna be gone the whole summer or what i don't know seems that way and then she says, maybe she should be single for a while anyway. And I'm like, yes, yes, you yes.
4: should.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although when I was a teenager, I probably would have been a total hypocrite and, any- and dated the guy anyway. He walks away, but then he comes back and he says, I can get a later train. And then they kiss. They barely know each other and they just kiss.
4: Right. Right. And-,
0: and then their future scroll says that she writes him a letter a day while he's away and they're still together. And by the way, they're making her write all the letters here. Like, what's up with this? Right.
2: Because she, she she's in no the workshop doing other uh, work, so she can spend all day writing letters. That's because she's not doing anything. She's undecided. Yeah, she
0: they've taken Amanda undecided. from orbiting one guy to orbiting a different guy, and that's her yeah. whole character arc. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I do like the song in this scene, though. It's this like '80s song.
2: It's called "Only You." I know the band is Yaz, just Yaz on the album "Upstairs at Eric's." My sister had it. And I I love this song so much. It's been a, a, a long time favorite of mine.
0: Why does it say Yazoo then? It's
2: I Yaz. think
3: they were called Yazoo in the UK and then Yaz in the US. Okay. Oh, uh, ah,
2: there. That makes sense.
3: And I feel like this song is used a lot in a lot of TV shows and movies. Like I have like a visceral reaction whenever this song comes on. And it just recently was in um, Normal People. Uh, that I was okay. obsessed with. It was recently in The Great, and they use it in these like really great scenes. And when I was watching this, I was like, Oh, maybe that's why I'm having such a like visceral reaction to the song. It's a great song, but maybe it is like a a hark back to this movie. Like when it started playing, I was like. Oh, and even though now okay. I watch the scene and I think it's cheesy and stupid and dumb. But at the time, as, as like a 16 year old, I think this scene spoke to me and like I wanted like something like that to happen to me
4: so mm-hmm. that I think that mm-hmm. now I
3: associate that song like it really has like this emotional impact on me. Yeah, that was just like a weird like discovery that I was having when, I, when I rewatched this last night. But yeah, I love this song.
0: Yeah, I think the song does a lot of work to sell their romance, too, to be honest. I think this music is working yeah. really hard to make them seem really romantic. Yeah. And actually, I think the whole soundtrack is working really hard in this movie. And I'm so we're going to talk about the soundtrack really quick before we get to it. Um, there is a mid-credits scene where the X-Files friends uh, have a UFO is hovering over them. And I yes. don't know if it's implied that they're going to go away on the UFO or what, but they are so yeah. happy.
2: I, I'm happy for them. They, I'm so glad they get their moment of like this is what's cool for them and not a dumb party. <laughs> Perfect.
0: So let's. Um, I just want to talk about the soundtrack a little bit. Were there any songs that like stood out to you, or what did you think about the soundtrack as a whole?
1: I mean, I think that it totally encapsulates so much of the '90s. Like, you, it's like one of those soundtracks you can listen to and be like, I know exactly where I am in space and time.
0: Yeah, and I also, what I like about it a lot is it brings in a lot of 70s music because, of, of course, in the 90s, the 70s was having a moment, and people would, like, listen to that kind of music, like, mm-hmm. When Will I See You Again is playing at the oh, end, yeah. and, like, what, they danced to, like, um, one of the disco songs, too. I can't remember which one it is, but, yeah, there's, like, pure disco kind of stuff playing in the background, right? Like, that was a thing, the pure disco compilation and whatever, and, like, rap from the 80s, like, it's so, it's all, bringing in all the eras that we listen to then.
4: Yeah. yeah.
2: I have had on a, on a mix compilation um, umbrella by dire straits for ages. I've, I've always enjoyed that song. And then the Romeo and Juliet by dire straits, which is also played over Ethan Embry in empire records. Serena, any
0: soundtrack faves from this one or any comments on it? I mean, yeah, definitely only you
3: was like a, good one at the end um but yeah like sybil said it was just it is they picked really great songs that hold up you know what i mean that sort of hold up is mm-hmm. like yep that was played constantly and every radio and
0: every gap and every you know like whatever okay so for double feature recommendations i have two today my first double feature recommendation is drive me crazy from 1999 and this is another high school movie um, it doesn't necessarily have like a huge party scene of this same type, but I like it because it also shows you kind of like the cliques of high school and like a lot of the a lot of the other teenage actors that were popular around this time. And it stars Yearbook Girl, Melissa Joan Hart. And I just mm-hmm. like that she has her own rom-com. Yeah, and so she has really great chemistry in this with Adrian Greiner, like and he's really hot in the movie too. Um, and it's a fake dating movie where like they agree to date each other to like make people jealous. And I just think it's a cute movie and another great high school movie of the time. So that's why I chose it. And then my second double feature recommendation is I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997 with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And of course, it also has Sarah Michelle Geller, Ryan Felipe and Freddie Prinze Jr. Again, this is another like high school movie of the time where you had a lot of like the famous stars of that time. It has a very 90s vibe, a very cool soundtrack. Like I rewatched it, and the opening of that movie is so good. Like Some of the rest of the movie doesn't hit that hard, but the way it comes in is great. It's written by, um, of course, it's based on a novel, but Kevin Williamson did the adaptation of it, and he also did Scream. And so the writing is often very sharp. And I think the performances are great. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar especially was a really great scream queen, but I thought Jennifer Love Mm -hmm. Hewitt did a great job in the movie too. So if you want another Jennifer Love Hewitt movie where maybe she has a little more to do, you can check out, I know what you did last summer.
2: Cool. Um, I chose Empire Records from 1995 um, with Ethan Embry, uh, Liv Tyler, young Renee Zellweger um, and a bunch of other great casts. And it takes place one day in, a record store empire records and the and the kids find out that it's going to get closed down or turned into some kind of chain and they have to save the empire records and and all their relationships and ins and out and i loved it so much i was watching it with our mutual friend Aaron and we watched it immediately over again like there's only a handful of films i've done that with and empire records was one of them um my second film that I recommend is the Italian job from 2003. Um, It's got featuring Mark Wahlberg and uh, Charlize Theron, but Seth Green is in it and he's hilarious. And so much of his dialogue is improvised and um, it's a fun heist film. I really, it's a just an, it's not too stressful and not too violent or at all really. And I enjoy, um, I just want to do another Seth film in there. Uh, so my
3: picks were um, the 1993 Days and Confused, which is one of my favorite films of all time. I love this movie. Choice. I can always watch it. Yeah, I can always watch it. I can always go back to it. It is very similar to Can't Hardly Wait, Wait because it takes place on the last day of high school. Yeah. Um, it's also a, a, like a career like starter Mm -hmm. like there's Mm -hmm. so many people in this movie who went on to have bigger careers you know there's Matthew McConaughey there's Ben Affleck there's Parker Posey Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Jason London like they all went on to have bigger careers I could literally watch if I was like on a a, an island well I guess I am on an island if I was on a deserted island and I had like one or two movies to watch I think Days and Confused would be one of them for me I could just watch it over and over again and then the other movie I chose was 2007 Superbad, which is a little bit later. Like it doesn't have anything to do with like the 90s per se, but I do remember watching it. Like I went to the movie theater. I was living in New York at the time and I thought it was going to be dumb and I laughed the entire time watching it. Like, I think this movie is so funny. Um, again, it's one of those movies. I don't think it takes place in one day, but it definitely takes place like at the end of school or the end of high school. So there, there's something that does happen at the end of, of high school, like you were saying, like with teenagers, that is very, um, it's like you're trying to do the thing you've always wanted to do and now is your chance. And so that I think super Superbad encapsulates that as well. Um, so yeah, those are my choices.
0: Cool. Yeah. I think that was also a career starter for people. Cause I think that was one of the first times that like Jonah Hill, for example, was like prominent if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for Superbad sure. Was big. Yeah. Also, I, I
1: agree. I like super bad. It's a fun film. Mine are heartbreakers, which we talked about earlier, um, which is from 2001 and it is. Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt essentially play like grifters. And they're, I love when you get to see um, good like, like especially female comedians together Mm -hmm. and they're fantastic. You would never think that Jennifer Love Who was so funny, but she is, she's hysterical. Um, I laughed so hard in this film and I rewatched it again before I recommended it. And I was like, holds up. Still great. Love it. And then I put book smart from 2019 because I like the idea of looking at what a newer film that is like, you know, can't hardly wait. So like book smart is, I think a newer version of I can't hardly wait where, you know, maybe you don't have like one giant party that y'all hanging out in, but is that like last day of school, people are trying to find their way. You have all these different tropes of characters and there is a big party that you're, everyone's trying to get to. And that's part of the, part of the shtick.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that was a really popular movie when it well, I don't know if it's really popular, but a lot of people really praised it highly when it just came out recently. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a great film. It's incredibly well acted and, and directed. And I mean, I wouldn't say that like, it's my favorite movie ever made, but I definitely enjoy it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, oh, my gosh. Thanks, everybody, for being in the same place at the same time. It's amazing. Well, not the same place being on the same recording at the same time. <laughs> it's it's really cool. I hope yeah. it'll happen again someday. So coming up on every rom-com, we may be releasing another musical before we get around to the rest of the high school movie series. So you may be seeing Mamma Mia come in your feed first. But after that, we'll be doing the rest of the high school movie series. And some of the movies we'll be including include Some Kind of Wonderful, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Alex Strangelove. Those are ones that I have kind of scheduled on the books already. And then hopefully we'll get in 16 Candles. And then later on, we're going to be doing Grease. I know Sophia's been waiting to talk about Greece. So (laughs) some good things are coming your way. And yeah, thanks everybody for listening.
2: Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.